Blog Talk Radio. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. Welcome back to Little Dan Radio, off from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is area code 914-803-4131. If you are listening during the live broadcast and you have a free blogtalkradio.com account, you can always join us in the chat room. Just log in, go to the episode page, scroll down to the bottom, and the chat room is there. And if you're listening after the live podcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, et cetera, on the show thread at liberaldan.com, uh, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today, but first, this week's headlines. Today is International Transgender Day of Visibility. Liberal Dan Radio reminds you that trans rights are human rights, trans women are women, trans men are men, and all those who are non-binary gender fluid, agender, or any other example of an individual who might fall under the trans label are all valid and should be respected by you, and most importantly, by the law. Joe Biden signed the first ever executive order recognizing the day. Kudos to him for doing that. In more humorous news, the past week, the ship ever given was stuck in the Suez Canal, blocking billions of dollars of commerce and disrupting world trade. Had the ship obstructed any more, they would have needed to have rechristened it the USS Mitch McConnell. In COVID news, Louisiana is keeping the mask mandate, but is removing restrictions on capacity in bars and restaurants. Is this the right time to do this because of the vaccination rollouts? Or is this just another thing that happens while playing Plague Inc. that helps the virus win? Only time will tell. In related news, the Pfizer vaccine is said to be effective in a study of children aged 12 to 15. Unfortunately, there's no study on children who currently serve in Congress. In world news, Alexei Navalny is said to be on a hunger strike in prison. Is he really starving himself to protest something, or does he just not want to be poisoned again? Finally, former President Donald Trump has created a website, 45office.com, for his so-called work as former president. On that page, you can request a greeting from either the former president or the former first lady. Liberal Dan Radio does, does, not, does want to implore you to not use the functionality to swamp this newly created office with too much work so that they are overwhelmed. You might think it is a good idea to prank your friends with a letter from the Donald. You might think that making many requests would be something funny to do. 
Or maybe you think that overwhelming them with such requests would keep them from doing other more harmful things. But you wouldn't want to waste your time or waste their time, would you? Speaking of which, uh, it also reminds me of today's Hypocrite of the Week, which we'll go ahead and play now. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is former President Donald Trump. When he was president, Trump cried about Section 230 and how he felt it was unfair. However, the terms of service of his new website, 45office.com, reads like it was inspired directly from Section 230. If you don't want to navigate to the site, I shared screenshots on Twitter. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune into Liberal Dane Radio, Talk from the Left That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And really, if you go to my Twitter account, at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, I did share a couple of screenshots. You know, nobody should have to read this website if they don't want to, especially if you have somebody like myself who's willing to do the dirty work. Uh, I might be a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that you definitely don't want to give him too much traffic thinking that his website is that much popular. Of course, I'm sure plenty of the Trumpophiles will be very happily going to the website and trying to, you know, do things like sending heartfelt messages about their love for our former president. And, you know, I just, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not going to encourage people to uh, swamp the greetings request forms. I mean, that would just be a terrible thing to have happen. I even made a TikTok. My Twitter is flagged. How is my Twitter flagged? Did, did you, is it flagged or, or for some reason did I block you or something? Because I can access my Twitter with no problem. Are you sure you're at, at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter? I mean, there's the link right there on the, on the, on the podcast thing. I'm, I'm responding to Bringing It Boy who joins us early today. Welcome, Bringing It Boy. Thank you for joining us in the chat uh, for this episode. Um, I don't see any issues with my Twitter at the moment and other people have responded to me. So what is your Twitter account? Two minutes who's came out the door asking about it. I don't know. Were there the same people investigating Gates? That That's an interesting topic. We'll be talking about that after the commercial break. Um, so I, I did have, I made a TikTok video about two, three weeks ago and I was basically going back and forth with some conservative and the conservative is somebody who doesn't believe in masks, much like yourself, um, bringing a boy, and they, uh, uh, who does not believe in masking. And I was like, I said, look, Texas is probably going to, in my opinion, Texas is going to see a surge in cases because they eliminated their mask mandate. And as it turns out, the Texas number of positive, total number of, or percentage of positives from testing went from... 8.1% to 6.9% in those like two, three weeks. That's the seven day rolling average when it comes to the percentage of positives. Now, so I was wrong. And look, I, I'm more than willing to admit that I was wrong when I say I'm wrong. However, unfortunately, this person came to the realization that this must mean that masks don't work. No, it's it just, there's, there's other things that come into play when it comes to masking and social distancing and being responsible and not doing ridiculous things that you don't need to be doing uh, in the middle of a pandemic. But maybe there's also the, the, maybe the vaccines are enough out there. Maybe enough 
people are getting the vaccines who are also doing, were previously doing risky behaviors that they're not causing, that, that they're slowing the spread a little bit. Even though Texas is lagging behind a lot of other states when it comes to percentage of state populated, <coughs> excuse me, vaccinated. But no, the, um, <laughs> the, uh, there's, there's, uh, I think the top of the top 15 states when it comes, or the worst 15 states when it comes to positivity percentage, like the, the, the number of percentage of tests positive that came back or the tests given of the top of the worst 15, I'd say top 15, but the worst 15, 11, either, I think 10 have no mask mandate. And one was Kansas, which technically has a mask mandate, but it's not enforced at all, apparently. So you, uh, the, the worst states don't have mask mandates. And there, there are, the, the target that you want to be is you want to be under 5%. When you're testing for the, for the virus, you want to be under 5%. And Texas, the 6.9 is not less than 5%. Obviously, I mean, a lot of these people don't know how to math. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody on Facebook about this whole thing. Um, and we were talking about masking and, and, and more and causing more risk to go out. And the person was like, well, you go driving, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do drive when I need to. Uh, obviously, I'm driving less nowadays because I'm not going out as much because of the pandemic. However, uh, I do go out. Well, I mean... You know, there, there's bad odds. I'm like, what are the odds? What are the odds of you getting into an accident? I asked this person, what are the odds of you getting into an accident if you go driving? She said 50 50. I'm like, you're saying there's a 50% chance of me getting into a car accident? She's like, well, yeah, you either are going to get in a car accident or you're not going to get in a car accident. So therefore, it's 50 50. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, look, I absolutely, I said, look, you have an open invitation to our poker games. I want to invite you to, your poker, to the poker games, especially the cash games. Bring money, because I would love to have somebody who doesn't understand that odds that poorly, who understands odds that poorly, to come to my poker game, because I'll be rich, because, or at least will be rich, because we'll just strip you of all your money, because if you think that just because there are two possibilities happening, that that means that the possibilities are equal. It's not like flipping a coin. Anyway, so bringing a boy asks in the chat, how is the proper way to wear a mask? Well, you should wear it covering your mouth and your nose. That's the proper way to wear a mask. It should be snugly fit on your face. It should come down over your chin. Um, I, I, I don't know. Again, I found these great things on Amazon, and I'm not shilling for this company at all. I don't even remember the name of the company. But I got these great things on Amazon, and there's these little rubber straps that the, the mask I'm showing with my hands is if you can see it on the podcast. They have these little nubs that the masks can hook into, so it makes the masks fit more snugly on your face. And ever since, and my my masks don't slide or slip at all when I wear those things. It's, it's actually been great uh, wearing those things. Some of the masks don't work with them. Some of the masks are perfectly snug around my ears, in which case I don't have to wear them. 
But otherwise, when I have to do, um, when I have to wear a mask, which is, you know, when I go grocery shopping and stuff like that, you know, I, I will use those rubber things and it works. Uh, how does herd immunity work if we all have a mask on? Well, herd immunity is not about masking. Herd immunity, masking was about preventing the spread of the disease if you happen to have it and don't know you have it. Because if you knew you have it, you needed to stay your ass at home. But if you didn't know that you had it, which is possible because there is uh, – somebody was nitpicking this with me. You have asymptomatic spread, and, you, and then you have a pre-symptomatic spread. You could – spread it either way if you're asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, but somebody was trying to nitpick the differences. So I want to make sure that I cover both cases where, you know, if you're somebody who is going to be showing symptoms, but don't yet show symptoms, or if you don't currently have symptoms, which to me, you're just, you're just, it's unneeded pedantry because at that point, if, if you're pre-symptomatic, you don't know that you're symptomatic. So you're asymptomatic. So there's, there shouldn't be that much of a difference anyway. The herd immunity works is because when you when you have the vaccine, enough people have the vaccine that it then doesn't spread. And there's evidence that's come out, I think today, either yesterday or today, the evidence came out that it is showing that people who have the vaccine are not carrying that that, that it's showing that not it doesn't just reduce your symptoms. It doesn't just make it so that you're less likely to go to a hospital. It makes it so that you are not even going to have the disease. So it's actually herd immunity. You can get herd immunity by letting the virus spread. You can get, get it that way, maybe. But there are people who have gotten the disease and who have gotten it twice. So the efficacy of herd immunity has not been proven. And do you gamble like that? You don't gamble with that. You instead, you know, you could get the, you, you do the vaccine, and then you mimic herd immunity. It's the same thing. You, herd immunity can get it either by having everybody spreading it and the hope that just by having it means you don't die. But the problem with the herd immunity strategy is that if the death rate is 2% and the injury rate is like up to 10%, like you're not dying, but you're still sick or have some other condition that's going to be, you know, be with you for the rest of your life. So if everybody got it, 330 American, 330 million Americans get it, or 330 people in this country get it, because not everybody in this country is a citizen, then guess what? 2%, 1% is what? 330 million, well, one, 3 million, 6 million, so almost 6 to 7 million people would die under that, if, if my math is right. Six to seven million people would have to die in order to get herd immunity. And then another 30, 30 million would have lifelong conditions. That's not acceptable. That's absolutely not an acceptable risk to take. And people tried to point at Sweden. I think Sweden was the one that tried it, and then it didn't work. Yeah, it, but it's not just like bringing a boy who says, just like chicken pox when you were a kid, you send your kid to go get it to build immunity. Most times they won't get it. Most times. Usually with chicken pox, I don't think there's not many cases of you re-getting it again because it's one particular thing. You might get shingles later in life if you have it, but you're not going to get it again. But they are now giving vaccines for chicken pox so that people don't have to get chicken pox. So there's that. Again, getting, the, getting a vaccine is 
typically seen as much safer and much better than having to deal with risking the virus. So, I mean, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. We'll come back and do our words of redneck wisdom, which is also COVID related. Uh, take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Bane Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? 
Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberalvan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberalvan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot dot com. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Damanach, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. That's letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. And if you noticed, I finally did remember to change up the order of the commercial so that the Demonox commercial was last, so he could then say, now enjoy the rest of your podcast, and then you enjoy the rest of your podcast, instead of going into directly another commercial. So there you go. Um... So in the chat, bringing a boy who I did follow on Twitter, he gave his Twitter account on there. Of course, that's just us two in the chat right now, and I was able to follow him. Uh, so I don't think that there's a, there's the Twitter issue that he believes that I had. Um, do, 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 do. Trying to see what this other... I, I did see in the article that he gave me about the... Uh, two percent recovery rate and it seems to be this article is from august 7th 2020 so it's a little dated it's not early on in the in the pandemic but it's a little dated however again as i said even if you even if it was just two percent if you if you tried for herd immunity and you tried to get uh and you tried to just let everybody get it, just go full on, don't close anything down, let everybody get it, and whoever dies, dies, that a 2% uh, death rate of case fatality rate, so to speak, would mean that 7 million people would die. Are you okay with 7 million people dying, bringing a boy? I'm not. Uh, I'm also not okay with the additional people who would then, you know, have to deal with lifelong complications when it comes to, uh, you know, myocarditis, lung scarring, COVID brain fog, all the other things that people have been living with and things that we probably don't even know about that, you know, maybe conditions that might reveal themselves later uh, that are shown to be caused by being infected with COVID-19. When you had people who recovered supposedly who got their arms and feet chopped off because that's how badly the uh, virus dealt them, damaged them. They needed to get hand and feet amputations, but yet they recovered. They're not dead, <clears throat> but you know, Hey, that's not the, it's just because you're not dead. It doesn't mean you're not harmed. Anyway, let's go ahead and do the, do words of redneck wisdom. Cause we usually try and do that after the first commercial and we just came after the first commercial. So there you go. Thank you. 
now, Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. I'm doing just great, and I will never take a vaccination because vaccination is elimination and it's assassination. Yes, brothers and sisters, our home, America the Beautiful, is under siege. Yes, we are all being attacked and invaded. The servants of Satan are using a Ponzi pyramid scandemic scheme to take over and destroy our homes in the Republic. From the beginning, this has all been an ultimate psychopathy scheme, pyramid scheme, scandemic scheme. The Mark of the Beast mask robs all of us of one-third of our normal oxygen intake and forces us to re-inhale our own CO2 and pathogens harming our immune systems. Much, much worse is mandatory forced vaccinations that would permanently damage our immune systems and our organs and cause multiple immune system disorders and multiple organ failures. Ultimately, psychopathic mad doctors and scientists and hospitals everywhere worldwide will make trillions of dollars and could eliminate most of mankind and control the rest of mankind. We are not ATM machines. We are not guinea pigs. We are not slaves and prisoners in our own country, America. Wake up. Don't take the vaccination and rip that mask off now. Amen. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom. Brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And of course, that is a regular caller to the uh, Ringside Politics show that I often cite for these when I'm not citing the uh, guy from the uh, who showed up to the CPAC and infiltrated the uh, black conservatives meeting and trying to tell them that uh, Frederick Douglass should have... Uh, thanked his former slave owners for giving him a place to stay and food to eat. So when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm most of the time, many times citing people from that show and that guy, Phil the Patriot, or I don't know what he goes by these days. I mean, just pure, absolute bunk coming. I'm sure bringing a boy loved it. I thought he probably thinks this guy's you know, his new hero. Uh, Cause you know, rip the mask off. Don't take the vaccine, you know, just, Go out there and kill people. Uh, let's see. They don't have to die. Let's see. Cost of rem, best severe, per dose. Because he's talking about people who get it don't have to die. Um, COVID-19 drug is Gilead Sciences set price, U.S. price for COVID-19 drug at uh, $2,340 to $3,120 based on insurance. So, Furthermore, uh, I don't know what the total supply of remdesivir is. Uh, however, if you then wanted to get, like, everybody, I don't know, did we, would we have enough remdesivir for all 330 million Americans so that the, all 330 Americans could be treated uh, with if they got COVID-19? That's the thing. Is like You're not looking at the supply and, and demand when it comes to this. If you were to get 330 million people sick with COVID and you're thinking that remdesivir could save the day, you would need 330 million doses of remdesivir. And I don't even know if you just need one dose. Let's see. Let's see. Prices of those not covered by private insurance, 390. There's a lot of different prices on there. Um, We don't need 330. Are you, wait, we don't need 330 million Americans. Are you saying that it would be okay for a bunch of Americans to die because we don't need them? Are you literally, I hope you're kidding. 
I hope that that's just gallows humor and not a serious comment because holy crap, that's pretty frightening right there. I mean, I understand that there are conservatives who believe that, you know, oh, survival of the fittest, blah, blah, blah. But there are people who are supposedly fit who have died of COVID-19 uh, because viruses don't really care. Uh, people who are, but again, how, how many, what, what would the strain be on the hospital system? How many people would be hospitalized if all 330 million people would get sick? You, you would, you would swarm the hospitals. You know, when, when people were, we had a lot of people, not everybody, we had a lot of people staying at home, being responsible, doing the right things, masking up. A lot of people are doing the right thing, and our hospital systems were still strained while we were dealing with this, because there's also other hospital uh, issues that uh, issues that hospitals have to deal with. It's not just about you know the people of COVID. There's all the other people that have to go to the hospital as well. And so if you let everybody just go out there and get it, then your hospital rooms are going to be swamped. So deaths are going to go up because the hospitals aren't going to be able to handle that many cases. So people are just going to die because we don't have the room to treat them. We don't have the staff to treat them. Another issue that a lot of these people who are thinking, well, let's just let everybody get it, will, you know, just don't seem to understand. It's, it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, sorry, it is what it is. Where's, where's that bit again? There you go. I got rid it of some It is what it is. That's what, that's what they like to deal with. Anyway, so we were main topic of the show today. Um, we're already half an hour, and we haven't even touched Gates. We'll talk a little bit about Gates, and then we'll take another break, and then we'll talk the rest, finish the rest of the show about Gates. Uh, if we want to come back and circle back and talk about uh, more COVID stuff, we can. Uh, but let, let's let's get to the the meat of the issue. Now, here's here's one thing that's interesting. Now, this is something from a while back that I played on the show. As you guys can see, uh, I've got my, my helper Nestor here. I'm at my parents' house uh, out in Walton County. Uh, we- he got his, his helper, his helper. And I was, I, was, I was forgetting what, you know, that, that whole, I was looking at this video, or the audio, I'm sorry, and, and it's listed Gates Nestor Helper. I, I was reading Shelper. I'm like, what's a Shelper? What did I have? Did I mistype that wrong? But no, it's him, it's him saying, like, for son and helper. But he didn't want to let everybody know that this is his supposedly adopted son. And so, but even though he wasn't officially adopted. And there's questions about that. Everyone thought that it was kind of weird. Every, everybody thought that, that his, uh, his relationship with – and his secret relationship with, with, with Nestor was kind of weird. Furthermore, you had – let me look this up on on what should we call it? Twitter user Mraz, somebody I follow, January twenty eighth of twenty twenty one, so earlier this year, um, somebody showed a picture of uh, Matt Gates and was saying he looks like the Joseph A. Bank section of Toys R Us, and then the feminist next door responded. Looks like the guy rolling through the dorms, luring freshman girls by promising to, to buy them wine coolers and cherry-flavored vodka. And then this story comes out. So what is this story? Well, let's, let's get to uh, Tucker Carlson and the interview 
but we have some clips from the interview with Tucker Carlson and Matt Gates. Just a couple of hours ago, late this afternoon, the New York Times ran a story saying that Florida Congressman Matt Gates is under federal investigation for playing some role in sex trafficking and potentially having a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. There are very few details in major news outlets tonight about this story. We have no background on it all and not even any very informed questions. I mean, it's the Tucker Carlson show. We don't expect informed questions. In fact, in court, when, they, when the Tucker Carlson and Fox News were getting sued about what was being said on the show, they basically, they basically made the argument that you shouldn't take anything that Tucker Carlson says seriously. So there's that. But before I go on with the rest of the clips, though, I do want to I do want to give a shout out, host of the most Nimbus the Ocean, the Percy podcast, who's still I think recovering from COVID nineteen because he was hospitalized with it. He had got pneumonia on top of it, uh, almost had a collapsed lung of sixty percent lung capacity. Had to bring an oxygen machine home. It's really real with him. So, but he 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 came up with the idea and, and called it Pizzagate. And I just, I, I got pissed off. I was just so pissed off because I should have thought about it first. And why did I not think of Pizza Gates first? Gates Gate is clear. I mean, I, I think even Matt Gates came up with this. Like, you know, or I think Elon Musk said, if there's any, if there's any, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any dilemma or any, anything pertaining to me that's controversial. I want it be I want it referred to as Elon Gate. And that's clever. And so Matt Gates retweeted it and quoted it and said, I want it to be called Gatesgate. Well here we go. We now have Gatesgate. Despite the fact that I hate the use of I mean I used it because I've just kind of embraced it even though I hate it. I hate using the word gate after everything to make some sort of tragedy because it's, it was the Watergate Hotel. It wasn't the Water Hotel. It wasn't Watergate. Like, it, it didn't make it, the gate didn't make it. The Watergate is the scandal. So adding gate to the end of something is just silly. Pizzagate, Gatesgate, Pizzagate, you know, silly. It's just like the whole, I'm a chocoholic. What's chocohol? What is chocohol? You're, you're, people who are an alcoholic. Because that's what the word for out being alcoholic is. Oh, I'm a chocoholic. Well, but there's no such thing as chocohol. There might be chocolate, al- chocolate flavored alcohol. That's true. But anyway, that's what, one of my pet peeves. But Nimbus Yosh again, host of the most of Percy podcast, did in fact say in our group chat, Pizza Gates, and I died because it was hilarious. I didn't die of COVID, but I, I died of that from that. Let's go to clip two. It is a horrible allegation, and it is a lie. The New York Times is running a story that I have traveled with a 17-year-old woman, and that is verifiably false. People can look at my travel records and see that that is not the case. What is happening is an extortion of me and my family involving a former Department of Justice official. And let's be clear here. Um, Well, A, it's kind of weird that he would say 17-year-old woman. I mean, maybe say young woman. I don't know. I mean... Technically, in Louisiana, 17 is the age of consent, but it's still a violation of the law for somebody in Louisiana to pay for, I think it's federal law, to some, if, if, if somebody 
like Matt Gates was in Louisiana and wanted to meet up with a 17-year-old young woman. And he's, oh, I'll pay for your, your plane ticket. Come out, come out to Louisiana. Come here, we'll, or I'll pay for your gas or whatever. Arranging for that travel. And you're bringing that person who is under 18 across state lines. You've now cr- violated the law. So there's that. But he's saying that it didn't happen. So we're, do we believe him? Well, the law says that he's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Um, I, I do. There is some issues with some of the things that he's done in the past that I will bring up. In fact, I would include Nestor in that it, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, the, and especially it's kind of weird how we were in, introduced to Nestor and what the topic of conversation was. And we'll get to that in a second. But just be let let's say that it was true let's say it was absolutely true that this individual from the department of justice was trying to get money from him and his family let's say that was a hundred percent fact that they were trying to extort the family for money that does not mean that he didn't do the other thing that does not mean that he didn't improperly or illegally make contact with and pay for a a woman to come across that you don't have to travel with the person in order for the travel doesn't have to be with the person in in order for the travel to have happened and you can be extorted over things that you know you may have really done in real in the real life especially if what you did was a crime and the person has the details of the crime and they say hey I'm going to tell the people that you did this crime unless you give me all the money. You know, that's that, that does the idea that for some reason that him being extorted automatically proves that he didn't do anything wrong is just BS. I'm not going to say it proves he did something wrong. What would there be to extort except for him having done something wrong? So it makes it stinky a little bit to say the least. Clip three. On March 16th, my father got a text message demanding a meeting wherein a person demanded $25 million in exchange for making horrible sex trafficking allegations against me go away. Our family was so troubled by that, we went to the local FBI. And the FBI and the Department of Justice were so concerned about this attempted extortion of a member of Congress that they asked my dad to wear a wire, which he did, with the former Department of Justice official. Tonight, I am demanding that the Department of Justice and the FBI release the audio recordings that were made under their supervision and at their direction, which will prove my innocence and that will show that these allegations aren't true. If if Matt Gates and his family were being aided or were aiding an investigation into a criminal behavior based on extortion. And they were doing some sort of undercover thing to try and snag some, nab somebody for doing this sort of thing. Then wouldn't Gates coming out and saying that this was what was going on, that his dad was wearing a wire, and blowing the and, and just letting everybody know, hey, we were doing this extortion thing because of this. This person was making these accusations. 
We were trying to be, they were trying to extort us, and we were working with the feds. Wouldn't that be obstruction of justice? Is it, didn't he just nuke that entire, didn't he just make it completely just untenable now, now that he's announced that this is what they've been doing, that his dad's been wearing a wire? I mean, did it, did it this just, just ruin any case that the Department of Justice would have had against this individual? Now, maybe if you want to believe in conspiracies, maybe then the person felt that, oh, the feds are on to me. So instead of doing that, I will go ahead and I'll leak the story to the New York Times that Gates is under investigation for sex trafficking and sex with underage people. Um, but, and, and that's possible, but he, that, that, that necessarily wasn't said by Gates. That's, that's only an assumption that I'm making that maybe that's a possibility because we don't know. Everything's up in the air at the moment. But I'm just questioning, has Gates spoken to a lawyer about this? Did Gates say, hey, did a lawyer tell him, yeah, it's a good idea for you to go on Tucker Carlson's show and talk about the fact that your dad was wearing a wire in a, in a federal investigation of extortion? It doesn't make any sense at all. I don't think any lawyer in their right mind would be like, yeah, go talk about that on Fox News. Go talk about that publicly. It doesn't make any sense. The suppo- and bringing a boy says the extortionist was a former FBI agent. The supposed extortionist was a for- Now, the person who is the – we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so a, cu- a couple of obvious questions that come to mind. And again, just to restate, this just happened. Don't have any other information beyond what we've already said and you have said. Um, who, first of all, who is this Department of Justice former employee who's trying to extort the money from you, you say? His name is David McGee. He was a top official in the leadership in the Northern District of Florida as a prosecutor. He currently works at the Beggs and Lane Law Firm. As a- so, so there he is. And again, now not only have you exposed that there is extortion supposedly being investigated, but you've given the name of the person that they're targeting. So there, you've just completely nuked the case. <laughs> you completely nuked the case that they might have had against this guy. The guy that was trying to extort you, you've done ruined it. Because any any <laughs> what they were supposed supposedly what that was going to happen the next the next day or whatever was they were supposed to do the whole yeah let's wire the money to you so that you can get the money and there you go and he ruined it he absolutely ruined it so I I don't maybe they might have some things to be able to hang their hats on still but how. I see, Matt Case's father, Don, a former Florida Senate president, said he is working with the FBI, including wearing wire. So now that Matt Gates let the cat out the bag, now um, Don Gates has also said that he has confirmed that he's wearing wire. It's just bizarre that they would say that, that, that all this information would, would be okay to be shared publicly. Five. I'm not the only person on screen right now who's been falsely accused of a terrible sex act. You were accused of something that you did not do, and so you know what this feels like. You know the pain it can bring to your family. And, and when I saw this, when I, when I watched the full interview, and I saw this, and I was like, oh, my goodness. So not only did Gates go on the air, and he's trying to bring Tucker Carlson into it by like, and there's more. 
There's more than that. But he's like, you've also been falsely accused of blah, 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 blah. And Tucker Carlson, and this might be in the next clip or not. I'm not sure if this is the next clip. But he did say something like, it's a very bad thing to be falsely accused. It's one of the worst things that can happen to you to be falsely accused of a crime. Look, it's bad when you get falsely accused of a crime. You can have lifelong issues dealing with being falsely accused, especially depending on, you know, what you might – it can have a long effect. But it's not one of the worst things that can happen to you. It's not like you're actually being raped or you're being murdered or losing a limb or dying of COVID. Or, there are lots of things that – there are lots of things that could happen. It could be – so I think they're really over-pushing the whole idea that, you know – this is the worst thing that could happen to you. Now, bringing a voice as Gates said he asked for an investigation on March 9th. Um, although I think I think one of my clips later on says it has a later date. But regardless of the fact that other reporting has stated that this has been something that be, has been investigated since last year. Last year. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's go to, I think, clip six is the next clip. Yeah, again, I only know what I've read in the New York Times. I can say that actually you and I went to dinner about two years ago. Your wife was there, and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. And she was actually threatened by the FBI, told that if she wouldn't cop to the fact that somehow I was involved in some pay-for-play scheme, uh, that she could face trouble. And so uh, I do believe that there are people at the Department of Justice who are trying to smear me, uh, you know, providing for flights, uh, and hotel rooms for people that you're dating who are of legal age is not a crime. Uh, and I'm just troubled that the lack of any sort of legitimate uh, investigation into me would then permute, would then convert into this extortion attempt. I, I, I don't remember the, the woman you're speaking of or the context at all, honestly. <laughs> and, and the look, I'm talking, that's the one bad thing about having a podcast is you can't see the look but if go look, go watch this. It's on YouTube. Go watch this interview. Look at the look of, on Tucker Carlson's face when he brought up this thing. You might remember the woman who we all went to dinner with. Like, he's apparently, and, and, and before I even found out about his response, I was like, he just threw Tucker Carlson under the bus. Because now, not only. Let's see, Tucker Carlson mad at Gates. Let's find that. But not only did you did you now bring up this. I mean, Tucker Carlson asked you to come on, and that's sure fine. But now you've implicated Tucker Carlson as knowing one of the people, or having met one of the people who the F, the feds have been questioning about whether or not there's been inappropriate sexual relations with minors by this congressperson that have been alleged. And somebody, the person familiar with the matter said, according to CNN Business, Fox News host Tucker Carlson was angered after Congressman Matt Gates attempted to rope him into a scandal. It pissed him off. Um, and then, let's see. Person, it's a part of a broader probe. Gates currently has not been charged with a crime because you and I went to dinner about two years ago. You, your wife, was there again, brought a friend of mine. Uh, I don't remember the woman you're speaking of out of context and all honesty. Um, after the interview, Carlson described it as one of the weirdest interviews he's ever conducted. So, that's like, 
you've now brought in Tucker Carlson as somebody who potentially could be called to testify against you now. And I'm sure he didn't want anything to do with this. So he was like, I don't remember that person. And maybe he didn't remember the person. Who knows? But, and apparently, you know, if Gates, like, here's the thing. Gates isn't denying that he is paid for travel. So Gates' excuse might just be none of the I, – I didn't believe that any of these women were under 18. So is Matt Gates, the 34-year-old, paying for 18-year-old girls to come, come with him? Yes, it's, they're above the age of consent, but there are issues. You know, he is a congressman. He has power. Um, those come into play when you're discussing things like consent. Uh, this is not to say that people can't, you know, be attracted to and enamored by uh, people who are in power. But, oh, like, if you're just, if you're like looking for barely legal type teens, I mean, I, I wonder what his porn history looks like. That that's one thing. But if you're looking for barely legal like teens, uh, you you better make sure that they have some regular real ID that says, "Look, this is my real age," or you're, you know, looking for trouble because if you happen to get somebody who's younger, again, you're getting in trouble. Um, but yeah, so I don't also. I still think we have two more clips from this art interview to see about the date. We'll we'll get back to that in a second. So let's see. The, but it was just the look on Carlson's face was like, I, I, did you just bring me up into this? Did you just try and implicate me in some way in knowing that you were with this person with whom the feds interviewed about this whole thing? How how long has this investigation been going on? Do you know? I I don't know. When were you first informed of it? Uh, you know, again, I, I, I really saw this as a deeply troubling challenge for my family on March 16th when people were, you know, talking about a, a minor and that there were pictures of me with child prostitutes. Uh, that's obviously false. There will be no such pictures because no such thing happened. Um, but really on March 16th was when this got going from the extortion standpoint. So, according to Bingham Voices, Gates asked for the investigation March 9th. On Carlson, he said March 16th, which is a week later. However, that doesn't just because that's the date of the supposed extortion that started, allegedly. Um, that doesn't mean that that's how long the investigation has been going on. The investiga- Matt Gates might have asked for an investigation into the extortion on the 16th. <laughs> that doesn't mean that the investigation of Gates and others in this whole sex trafficking thing hasn't been going on in August Greenberg was charged with Greenberg. One of the, there's a picture of Greenberg and stone, Roger stone and Gates all together. Greenberg was charged with sex trafficking girls ages 14 and 17. Greenberg faces 14 other charges, including stalking and political opponents, um, blah, blah, blah. And so it's, it's been going on since last year. This this overall investigation of of what people that Gates knew, and according to one source that I saw, I think it might have this might have been on Maddow. I'm not exactly sure, but the investigation into Gates was, or at least I don't know if it's an investigation into Gates or if it's an investigation into the sex ring that they're trying to implicate Gates in, has been going on last year. So just because Gates asked for them to intervene in March, it doesn't mean 
anything else. I, and bringing a boy says, Dan, shame on you for saying innocent until proven guilty, then turn around and making statements that are implying guilt. I, I don't know if Gates did anything. I think there are a lot of things that are questionable. Um, I think that um, but innocent until proven guilty is, is basically a a thing that's that's required of the government. It's not required of my personal belief system. I personally can believe uh, whether somebody is guilty or not, regardless of, you know, them being put into prison. Like I can, you know, just the amount of proof that it takes to provide somebody with a guilty verdict is more than what it takes for it to be true. That makes sense. Let's talk about Derek Chauvin for a quick second. We all saw what Derek Chauvin did. I think he should be locked up for life for what he did because he knelt on this person's knee. But according to the law, Derek Chauvin is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That doesn't mean that I have to treat him as if I believe he's innocent when we have video evidence showing that he's not. Whether or not the law will the law and the court system will allow him to be punished for his actions is completely separate as to whether or not he did it or not. I believe, look, George Zimmerman in Florida, I did a show, I've done shows about that topic. I did a show where I basically described how I would have, I would have framed my case if I was the prosecution in that case, what my closing statement would have been. That closing statement that I would have done if I was the attorney is still on liberaldan.com somewhere. Yet George Zimmerman was not found guilty because he was said to, he was allowed to say that he was an act of self-defense. Uh, I don't think you should be able to chase somebody down and then claim self-defense. Rittenhouse, for example, so somebody else who went into an area looking for trouble and then when things got the better of him, he then shot. That's not self-defense. Or it's, and it's especially not self-defense as codified under the law in the state of Wisconsin. So even though Rittenhouse has the presumption of innocence under the law, it doesn't mean that I'm required to believe him to be innocent. I may very well uh, look. He goes, yes, you are entitled to your opinion, but you also have the ability to influence people's thinking because of your show. If you are a juror that happens to be on the Rittenhouse jury, the any jury that might be called in the Matt Gates case, or any jury or the jury dealing with Derek Chauvin, please don't listen to my show. Wait till after those cases are over to listen to my show. There you go. I shouldn't have to tell that. Only people who I'm that those are the only people that I'm worried about influencing when it comes to that. We got one more clip. Did I play seven? Where's, where's my mouse? My mouse is hiding from me. Did I play seven already? How, how long has this investigation been? Yeah, I did already. Let's, let's go to eight. So what, what happens next? I mean, you, you can see there is this investigation, I guess a criminal investigation. I'm not quite sure where the sex trafficking part comes in. I don't, again, for the fifth time, I don't really understand this story very well. But wh where does it go from here? I mean, you're, you've made an allegation against someone by name on the air and accused him of trying to extort millions of dollars from your family. What, what happens tomorrow? Well, what was supposed to happen 
was the transfer of this money that would have implicated the former colleague of these current DOJ officials. But that's obviously not going to happen tomorrow because the New York Times story was leaked in order to quell that investigative effort. So here's what needs to happen next. The FBI and the Department of Justice must release the tapes that are in their possession that were done at their direction. Those tapes will show that I am innocent and that the whole concept of sex charges against me was really just a way to try to bleed my family out of money and probably smear my name because I am a well-known, outspoken conservative. And I guess that's out of style in a lot of parts of the country right now. Matt Gates, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks for giving me the more, chance to tell more, the truth. More, I appreciate it. Uh, I, it's a more interesting and complicated story than, than I knew from reading about it. Thank you very much. So what he says, I'm, uh, thank you for coming on the show tonight. I'm wondering if he was like, I have to force myself to say these words because I, I really don't like the fact that you came on tonight because you try to implicate me in your whole sex thing. Um, but this is what we have to believe. He, Matt Gates wants us to believe that that people who are part of the DOJ said, look, or formerly part of the FBI or DOJ or whatever, Justice Department, that they came up with this huge scheme to falsely claim that he was involved in some sex ring or that he was involved in some sex trafficking of a 17-year-old young woman or girl, not you know him calling her a seventeen uh, some seventeen year old woman that just seemed weird to me, but that they then would say okay we're going to try and extort you for something that you that we have no evidence that you did so it seems to me to be implausible that somebody would feel that they could that they could uh, much call it that they could try and extort twenty five million or however many mil- Millions of dollars. Seems implausible that somebody could try and extort millions of dollars off of somebody based on an action that's, that never happened. How is that possible? Like, like, like I don't think, that doesn't seem plausible that somebody would see, I'm going to go after a Congress, sitting congressman and nab him for millions of dollars over something that I have no evidence that he did. It doesn't make any sense. It makes more sense that somebody might try to try and try and extort him over something that he really did and then say, look, I can make it all go away for you if you just give me the money. That makes more sense. Maybe he had a beef with this individual, knew that maybe he found out that this individual was involved with the investigations and was was like, look, we're going to throw him under the bus and distract from what's really going on. Do we know what happened? We don't know what happened. But it just does not seem plausible that somebody would try and extort Matt Gates over something that there was no evidence that Matt Gates did. It doesn't make any sense at all. So that's the Gates on Tucker Carlson thing. I'm going to take another quick commercial break uh, since we're getting up towards the end of when I normally like to end the show. But we're going to take one more commercial break. We're going to come back and we're going to finish this conversation off because there was... There's something else that makes this case, even this story, even more interesting. Something else that makes you kind of sit there and go, hmm. Anyway, back in a few minutes. This is Liberal Dane Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. 
world gone mad. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things. Nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, Open an account and make your first deposit. You will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Deminox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2 where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdeminox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast.
And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. We're ending our conversation about Pizza Gates or Gates Gates or whatever you want to call it. And I just retweeted something during the commercial break. It was a picture, I also shared it in the chat room, of Matt Gates with somebody who looks very young at, at, at a picture. He looks very close. And now maybe she's 18. Who knows? But, oof. And that's what I, all I said in the chat room and all I said when I retweeted it was, oof. So here's the thing. Here, here's something else that, that, that's very interesting. You know, I, I, when I started talking about this about a half hour, 35 minutes ago, I was talking about, you know, his, this clip. As you guys can see, uh, I've got my, my helper next door here. I'm at my parents' house uh, out in Walton County. Uh, we- my <laughs> helper. Uh, so, again, people raised a lot of questions about that relationship what was going on there what was he doing with his helper what was that but here's what this this video this facebook video that he posted on facebook where else would he post a facebook video um this is what it was about recently there was an article published in the northwest florida daily news detailing a vote that i took against uh, some human trafficking legislation. And here's what that bill did. It established a new entity at the federal level so that everybody could get together and have meetings about human trafficking. Now- so this video, again, was about a vote to create a department or whatever that would be a separate entity that would be investigating human sex trafficking. So let, let, let's go to the second. So and. We'll talk about the vote in a second, if I can get the audio. So why then would I be the only no vote in the entire Congress against legislation that had human trafficking in the title? I assure you, it's not because I don't think human trafficking is a problem. It absolutely is. But far too often, the best of intentions can lead to mission creep at the federal level and the expansion of a federal government well beyond what our founders intended and well beyond what is in the U.S. Constitution. And so in our office, we have a rule. If there's legislation that creates a new government entity, a new agency, a new board, a new uh, commission, a new council, we immediately scrutinize that. And unless there is an overwhelming, compelling reason that our existing agencies in the federal government can't handle that problem, I vote no. And here's the problem with that argument. That is a very conservative argument to make, that you don't have a need for new government so therefore don't vote for it don't vote for new government and and had you know a big chunk of the republican party in congress voted with him no i could accept that argument i could accept that if if, if it was like oh look all these conservatives are we could, this is a duplication of resources. We could do this better under another umbrella of law enforcement. You know, I would potentially buy that. There might even be examples that you would show me where I might agree with you that perhaps something is a duplication of resources and maybe it would be better to consolidate departments instead of creating new ones. I might, or might maybe just giving that responsibility to an an existing law enforcement agency in the federal government. You, you might even get me there too. You might even say, yeah, okay, I, I, can, I can agree with you on that. 
I could agree that maybe this this function doesn't need more bureaucracy as in another section of government. Maybe it could just be done in an existing section of government. I'm open-minded to that whatsoever. <clears throat> However, he was the only one who voted against it. The only one. Every other conservative, and I'm sure that there are people who are much for mu- more true libertarian type conservatives who are like maybe a Rand Paul type who might be, who might be the type that you might explain. I would expect if there was a vote about expanding government size, dealing with uh, sex trafficking. And and there was one that if you were to ask me, if I didn't know anything about the situation, you said, look, there of all of the Republicans in Congress, there was one no vote on sex trafficking. And the argument given was that, it makes more government. You don't need to make more government. If you asked me who that one person was, if I didn't know anything else about the situation, you know who I would guess that would be? I'd probably say, oh, that's probably Rand Paul. Because that seems like a Rand Paul thing to do. Seems, as, unless he abstained or wasn't there for the day, <coughs> it sounds like Rand Paul voted for this thing. Gates was the only one who voted against it. So, all of the conservatives in Congress said, you know what? We need this department. We need this extra little bit of government here to be able to deal with sex trafficking. And Gates is like, I'm, I'm not going to vote for it. So why is that? Let's, let's hear the third clip and then we'll go. Because voters in Northwest Florida did not send me to Washington to go and create more federal government. If anything, we should be abolishing a lot of the agencies at the federal level, like the Department of Education, like the EPA, and sending that power back to our state governments. And so where there is a necessity to change legal standards, to bring prosecutions against human traffickers, I'm all in, and I've been very successful in implementing that legislation here in our state. But when it comes to another excuse for government to grow, another excuse for people to get together and have meetings with each other and travel places and get per diems. I don't really think that we advance the cause that we care about by pursuing that endeavor. And here, like, there's a stupid word that's called like concern trolling or whatever. I'm not a huge fan of using that word, but if there ever was maybe an example of it, maybe this might be it. Well, I'm really, I, Guys, I, I'm really against human trafficking people, but I just don't believe in doing it this way. I think the harm that could be caused by this bill is worse is worse than the benefit of the bill, blah, 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 blah. But, again, he was the only one that voted against it. Every other conservative in Congress was like, yep, we need this, or we'll allow it. We're happy with it. We're fine with it. Except for Gates. And who, surprise, there's a young boy living with him that's his helper nobody knew about but now he lets it know that he has a helper oh that's my son but it's not really my son okay woody allen but and, and here's something else something unrelated to the sex trafficking bill let's see He's a right. The bill usurps state powers. No, that's the thing. It doesn't. That's the, you. The bill usurps state powers. Be dealt with at a local level. No, absolutely not. And now it gets to the point of what I was going to make my last point about this, which was 
not have anything to do with the accusations against Gates, but with Gates's failure to understand how government works and how federalism works and how <coughs> what the role, <coughs> excuse me, of the federal government should be and where it should be able to act. Like the EPA, for example. He wants to abolish the EPA and handle pollution at a state level. Well, you can't when let, – let's, let's say there's a, there's a uh, power plant or some sort of plant, a manufacturing plant, something in the state of Mississippi on the Mississippi River, right at the, the southernmost tip of the Mississippi River as it, you know, as it goes into Louisiana. The state of Mississippi says, yes, you can build your plant right there, and we don't care about what goes into the river because it's not going to affect any of our citizens. So the, whatever plant that is shunts off, let's say it processes some toxic things, and it just dumps it all in the river. Mississippi doesn't care. Why? Because nobody in Mississippi is going to have to deal with it. It's a Louisiana problem now. But Louisiana doesn't have jurisdiction to be able to stop companies in Mississippi to do anything, especially preventively. Louisiana could set up several regulations on how companies acting in the state of Louisiana could work to try and reduce that, the, the, the things that are affecting Louisiana's environment, be it like coastal erosion, poisoned water from pollution, from toxic runoff, from plants not from vegetation plants, but from manufacturing plants. But Louisiana has absolutely no say in what goes on in Mississippi. And Louisiana and Mississippi can create their own additional standards on top of whatever the EPA might have. However, because the pollution kind of, especially with how, you know, rivers work and how airstreams work and how, how just because something happens in a state, it doesn't mean that the effect is only going to be in that state because of how air flows and how rivers work, that's why you need the EPA. That's why you need to have the, the, the Environmental Protection Agency come in and say, look, you can't build that plant there. Or if you build the plant there, it needs to have certain safeguards so that the people in the state next to you aren't negatively impacted in, a, in, in at least a great way uh, by the toxic runoff that your mill might be producing. So then, so what, what is the other? I don't, know, I don't remember what the other thing is about. But sex trafficking. Sex trafficking can happen over state lines. And if it does, then that is a federal issue automatically. It automatically makes it a federal issue, which means the federal, a federal law enforcement agency, and especially if it happens across international lines. If it crosses the U.S. border, clearly it's an international issue. Now, can sex trafficking within a state or sex abuse of individuals in a state? Like, for example, Louisiana sets the age of consent, 17. So if Florida, I don't know what the age of consent is in Florida. The only reason I know the age of consent in Louisiana, because one of my big, bro my big brother in, the, in my fraternity when I was in college was a senior in high college dating a senior in high school. And his, when we mocked him for it, he would be like, well, 17 is completely legal in the state of Louisiana. So that's how I knew that the age of consent was 17 in the state of Louisiana, because of that. 
but that doesn't mean that you could then bring somebody from another state across state lines. So if Matt Gates was serving from Louisiana to Florida, let's say, and Matt Gates was dating somebody who was 17, 17 years old in the state of Louisiana and didn't have that person cross state lines, it wouldn't be a federal law issue. It wouldn't be a federal issue at all. It would just be a Louisiana issue. But him bringing somebody across the state line, if that person is not able to consent, if that person is under the age of 18, then that violates the federal law. And the federal government has absolutely the authority to do that. And apparently, every other conservative congressperson believed that it would be well-suited for there to be this entity that would deal specifically with sex trafficking so that they could perhaps coordinate at some point. I'm sure that at some point they would coordinate with other law enforcement to actually implement the policies and do the arrests and all this other stuff. But these would be the people who would be developing the strategy and how to deal with this sort of thing. And that's, again, if, if it's happening across state lines, and again, it's something that the federal government has the authority to deal with. And states don't have the authority. Like if I'm, if somebody, let's say there's a sex trafficking ring or whatever that happens to be bringing people from Georgia to Florida, the state of Florida can't do anything about the actions that take place in Georgia. The state of Georgia can't do anything about the people that are doing actions in Florida. But the federal government, if that ring is operating across that state line, can handle both. And the Constitution specifically allows them to do so. So, again, you, you can bring up bringing a boy, the FBI Child Exploitation Human Trafficking Task Forces operate within every FBI field offices. Uh, the Enhanced Collaborative Human Model Trafficking Program is a multi-agency task force initially funded through the Department of Justice office. And maybe the people who created this law felt that, or created this bill or law, felt that creating this separate agency would help collaborate between the two. I don't know enough about that, what was voted on to say, hey, you know, this is, this is, this is how that would work together with it. But the idea that we need to reduce the size of the government because, you know, the EPA is, is we need to eliminate the EPA and, and, and let the states handle it. That just shows that he is ignorant about how pollution works. And it doesn't take too much of a brain surgeon or a PhD in environmentalism or whatever environmental sciences to understand that somebody from a company in the state of Mississippi, right at the end of Mississippi, at the Mississippi end of the Mississippi river in Mississippi, dumping pollution into the Mississippi river is not going to harm the state of Mississippi, but it is going to harm the state of Louisiana. So therefore that's why you need federal oversight because the federal government can deal with such stuff. Mississippi might not care what, what Louisiana gets. Louisiana has no authority to stop Mississippi from allowing them to do so. That's why you need the federal That's why the federal government is there. To, that, that's one of the main purposes that's there. Not about pollution per se, but to deal with issues between the states, issues that affect the states. Now, maybe they might not have been able to think of, you know, back in the 1700s that you might have some, you know, pollution-creating plant that is going to poison the river downstream, maybe they might not have thought of that. That's one of the reasons why the state of the Constitution is a living and breathing document. Not because its meaning changes, but it can be applied to new concepts like 
you know, let's say Mississippi was like, oh, we're going to let you build a nuclear power plant there, and then you can just run the waste right off, right into the river. We don't care because it's going to go downriver. It's not going to affect us. No, but it will affect Louisiana, which is why, again, which is why we have the EPA. So Gates clearly doesn't understand the purpose of of why the federal government exists. He, or, he, or he just wants states to be able to allow as much pollution as they want to allow to hell with everybody else. Maybe they do want, you know, to, to have a whole bunch of oil rigs off the coast, even though when there's votes to come up with oil rigs, even, even the conservatives from Florida are like, well, you know, we really don't want to have that off of our coast. We have lots of tourism. The tourists don't want to see oil rigs off the coast. They don't want to see that. But go rig, go drill for oil by Louisiana, and that should be allowed, un, un, unregulated. Don't do it off the state of Florida. It's, it's part of one of the reason why I say that uh, one of the prerequisites of conservatism is hypocrisy. It's because it's always do unto thee, but not unto me. They should be able to, you know, there was, there was an example of this on a show that I was watching where there was a public park. And on the other side of the public park, they were going to build a Walmart. And this woman was being interviewed about her not liking that they were going to build a Walmart on the other side of this nice park. And what was her response? She said, well, I know I'm a Republican and I'm supposed to be for, for, for I'm supposed to be pro business and not regulating business, but I don't want to see it when I'm at the park. Again, a prerequisite for conservatism. Well, that prerequisite for conservatism is hypocrisy. Oh, I didn't play. Let me go ahead and play this one thing, and I'll read a couple. After that, I'll read some of the comments. This is Amber Petrovich, a.k.a. Just Money, talking investing and finance in the Just Money Minute. Now, if you didn't catch wind of the disastrous saga that unfolded with Archegos Capital last week, here are the basics because they're pretty interesting. Archegos is a hedge fund, and they were using billions of dollars of borrowed money to trade derivatives. Now, when investment companies make enormous trades like this, they have to file Form 13D or F with the SEC, you know, so there's some oversight. But this is where our laws really bite us in the butt. Archegos is a hedge fund, which is not considered an investment company under Regulation D. So you have an overleveraged hedge fund borrowing money to make risky trades that are sending stock prices to the moon. In this case, Viacom sees its price rising and issues more shares, diluting existing shares and bringing down the price. So Archegos, with large positions in Viacom, gets a massive margin call and has to liquidate billions, and then Viacom tanks and everyone becomes outraged at the lack of regulation in these shadowy funds. This has been Amber Petrovich in the Just Money Minute. There you go. So I needed to remember to play Amber Petrovich's Just Money Minute again. Uh, any financial advice you take, you know, Liberal Radio is not a financial show. We're not financial advisors on the show. Uh, any information you hear from Liberal Day Radio or from any commercial you hear on, this, on the site, you should always conduct any information due diligence with any professionals that might help you and know your situation better to help you make the best decision for you. But if Amber Rose is at Amber Rose on Twitter, uh, at just underscore money one on TikTok and more online presence coming soon. So thank you again, Amber, for uh, providing that great content and great explanation of everything. So let's go back to the comments. Uh, did Gates say anything about getting rid of EPA? Yes. I just played that last one of the last two clips that I played included 
Gates saying that we should get rid of the EPA and leave it up to state levels. I mean, let's see. Is, is, is it this one? Because voters in Northwest Florida did not send me to Washington to go and create more federal government. If anything, we should be abolishing a lot of the agencies at the federal level, like the Department of Education, like the EPA. And There you go. We should be abolishing the Department of Education and the EPA. So he clearly said that he should that we should eliminate the EPA, which is one of the, again, he doesn't understand why we need the EPA, because if you only do things at the state level, you can't then act, in, especially in preventive measures. And now it's possible that one state could sue another state in court and that the Supreme Court could just make a ruling as to whether or not, it's like, but by the time it goes all the way through the courts in a lawsuit, you then end up having a situation where the damage is already done which is why you need the EPA to be able to do prevent an ounce, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, which is goes back to your whole thing, bringing us back into COVID an ounce of prevention of COVID is worth a pound of cure. You wear masks, you be socially distanced. You don't have to go get remdesivir. You don't have to get treated in the hospital. So there's that. Anyway, S-1536, the Combating Human Trafficking in Commercial Vehicles Act. So this is what was have. This, this is what the specific, specific act did. The bill directs the Department of Transportation to designate an official to coordinate human trafficking prevention efforts across DOT model administrations with other federal agencies and take into account the unique challenges of human trafficking within different transportation modes. The bill expands the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's outreach an education program and DOT's commercial driver's license financial assistance program to include activities for the recognition, prevention, and reporting of human trafficking. DOT shall establish an advisory committee on human trafficking. The committee shall make recommendations and actions DOT can take to help combat human trafficking and develop recommended best practices for states and state local transportation stakeholders in combating human trafficking. So this is specifically dealing with uh, dealing with how human trafficking is aided by transportation services and how the Department of Transportation, so they didn't even create a new agency. In reality, it just created an advisory committee in the Department of Transportation to work with uh, other federal agencies like the FBI and the Department of Justice in order to be able to combat human trafficking uh, as it's dealt with. And it was signed, it was universally passed, except for Matt Gates, and was signed into law by Donald Trump. So I can agree. There's one thing that Donald Trump did that is probably good. It makes sense that if trafficking takes place in commercial vehicles, and, and there's a way to stop that with this effort, then the vast majority of our government said, yes, let's do it. The Democrats in Congress said yes. All of the Republicans except, for, except in Congress except for Gates, said yes. And Donald Trump said yes. So what's Gates' problem? Is it Gates' problem that he's trying to, you know, is he, is he playing up to his base of, you know, we're, we're, we're in a small government, folks, and we're going to make the small government argument? Is that what he's playing to? Or is it more nefarious that he's standing up? But why would he do that alone? That's the thing. Why would he? Why would he then be like, "Well, I'm going to be the one standing up against human trafficking," <laughs> like? And then he has to say, "Well, well, well, I really am against human trafficking, just not in this way." But 99.9% of the people in Congress 
disagree with you. So maybe if you're the lone person standing out and being like, you know, maybe you're on the wrong side of history when it comes to that. <laughs> Scratch last comment, please. Okay, I won't, I won't respond to your last comment. Let's see. You were the one who said all Republicans voted yes, but Gates, didn't you agree with you? I agree with yes, yes, especially after I read uh, the summary about the law. Yeah, I agree with yes. Yes makes sense. That was a summary, so I don't know, getting into more specifics. The, the law is a little longer than what I read. It's not that much longer, but I really don't want to read the whole law. <laughs> it's about maybe two, three pages. I don't really need to read two. You can look it up. Bill, Senate bill, the 115th Congress, 1536. You can look it up that way. Combating Human Trafficking and Commercial Vehicles Act. Or you could just say, what bill did Matt Gates vote against with human trafficking? And you'll find an article that brings you there as well. I mean, it's not the way that I presented the bill that seemed as there would be duplicate agencies. It's the way that Gates represented the bill that would say that there would be duplicate agencies. That's the thing. Gates said his opposition to this bill is that it creates a new agency. According to the summary, it does not, which makes me wonder, then why was he against this? What, what made him be against this? Did he think that maybe... If, if somebody was doing something illegal when it came to human trafficking, and this would help prevent him from doing that thing, then maybe he would be behooved to vote against it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But if you, if you were somebody who was involved in human trafficking, be it an individual or in a ring or whatever, if you, believe, if you, if you were involved in that, and it was like 534 people voting against and one voting for. Like, it doesn't make sense that he would, he would stand up in opposition to it because that then puts a big spotlight on you, which is probably why he made it about government size and not about the actual text of the bill. So I don't know. It's just it was just it's just weird that, but his his video, his Facebook video between Christmas and New Year's of that year, uh, his Facebook video, not just showed why you know said why his reasonings why or his stated reasonings why uh, he opposed this bill and was the only no vote, but it also introduced us to the lad that is Nestor. And, you know, on Twitter, sometimes when, when Gates does something stupid, I'd be like, what'd you think, Nestor? Would you stop embarrassing yourself and think of Nestor? What would Nestor say now that you've said this? Set a good example for Nestor. You know, just, just because everyone was so shocked about Nestor. Because nobody knew who the hell Nestor was until this random video where you have this random guy sitting behind him, giving thumbs up to the camera every once in a while. Like, who is this guy? And then he had to come up with, it's just, it's, it's just a helper. It's a helper. Now, oh, no, it's not his helper. It's really his son. Well, why would you just say, that's my son? Because nobody knew. Because it was kind of a secret. Well, why do you have a secret son? It's weird. It's very, very weird. So, and then you have this that comes up a couple years later. It's 
you know, again, it's weird. Somebody else on Twitter asked the same question I asked. How would they be able to extort you for money over something you didn't do? Now, I mean, like, maybe if, if somebody was like, hey, here's a deep fake of Gates with an underage person. But then you say that's not me, and and again, you know, you know. But there would be, it just doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense if, and and, and the combined amount of stuff out there that doesn't make sense just makes Gates not smell right. There's just something off about it. Now, I've always, again, and as the individual on Twitter said, you know that I, that I talked about. Gates reminded her of the older guy that trolled the freshman dorms trying to offer, you know, cherry-flavored schnapps or vodka or whatever um, to the under underclassmen, to the freshmen in the freshman dorms. That was the type of person that she was reminded of when it comes to Gates. And now these allegations come forward. Does that mean he's guilty? Again, it does not mean that he's guilty. But is it weird? Does it, does it pass the smell test with me? There, there needs to be much more information coming out. Am I going to say right now without a shadow of a doubt that I believe that Gates did knowingly and willingly pay for a 17-year-old young woman to cross state lines so that he could have a sexual relationship with that person? There's, I, I don't think there's enough evidence there for me to say without a shadow of a doubt that that, was, that, that is the case that I believe that Gates is a pedophile or that he's whatever the technical word for it is, if, if it's a picture, because all the pedophile apologists are like, well, it's not really a pedophile because they're done under 12. <laughs> you know, they'll make that sort of argument about it. But again, is there enough information there to, to make a firm decision? Yes or no. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's weird enough to make me scratch my chin and wonder and think, you know, this is just really weird. And it's really weird that either Gates didn't talk to a lawyer, because Gates had, had to speak with a lawyer first back in March when he was trying to figure out what he was going to do as the family was getting extorted, supposedly. So the family is getting extorted and has a lawyer involved with it i'm sure then why wouldn't he then talk to the lawyer about the article coming out from the new york times why would he then start talk like if if if, i'm not again i'm not a lawyer but any lawyer worth their salt would have been standing up there in a press conference with congressman gates and would have said the allegations against Matt Gates are categorically false. Blah blah blah. You know we've the, the Gates, Matt Gates, Congressman Gates and his family have been co- cooperating with uh, the depart with uh, Department of Justice officials and the FBI about uh, about a, a attempted uh, embezzlement extortion scheme against him and his family based off of the accusations made by the New York Times, which the family categorically denies, or something like that. Like that's that's what I would have said if I was his lawyer. I would I would have told Matt Gates. You shut up. You don't talk. You don't go on Tucker Carlson. You don't go on these other places. So it's just weird to me that he would have gone out and done this and said all of this. 
It can ruin a career, put a career before the truth came out if they're innocent. It, it can, but there are accusations that have been made out there that, you know, you have, you, have, you have a former president that admitted to at least saying that he would just go up to people and grab them by the hoo-hahs uh, without any advanced consent for doing so. They just let you do it. So you just walk up there and just grab women. Uh, that person's political career wasn't ruined. You have the accusations that were made by uh, Tara Reid about Joe Biden. His political career uh, wasn't ruined. Uh, I mean, you do have, I mean, what, what should we call it? Um, the comedian, Senator, uh, whatever, Al Franken was uh, forced out by fellow Democrats over the accusations about his inappropriate behavior before he was a congressperson. Um, what's your question? Is Gates a lawyer? Is Gates a lawyer? I don't know if Gates is a lawyer. He may very well be, but uh, a lawyer, a lawyer, a person who represents himself in court, according to lawyers, a person who represents himself in court has a fool for a client. Uh, but what is Matt Gates' profession? He is an American lawyer. He is a lawyer. But then again, he is a lawyer. That doesn't mean he should be representing himself. As a lawyer, he should know even better to have somebody else handling this for him. Those two examples are different. I don't know, bringing a boy. There's lots of examples of people with uh, sexually accusations of questionably sexual uh, activities whose political careers weren't ruined. Hell, there are people who have admitted to serious sins with prostitutes uh, who then were, re- was re-elect- were re-elected to... I was on my honeymoon. I was sitting, laying there in bed, kind of in a half daze, about to wake up for the morning. And all of a sudden, I hear in kind of like my half day sleep something about David Vitter and prostitutes. And I was like, what was that? Did you just hear that? And the entirety of that day, I'm sitting there trying to find a TV, trying to find the news, trying to find something where I could see whether or not what I heard, if, what, if, if something was just a dream delusion or if it was reality. And it turned out it was real. David Vitter admitted to being involved with prostitution, a crime, and was reelected to the Senate. Serious sinner David Vitter got reelected, even though he committed an act that is technically a sex crime. I don't believe it should be illegal. However, he cheated on his wife and he's a hypocrite because David Vitter said that people who get caught with a vare should have no moral authority to be serving in Congress or, or in the Senate or whatever. Well, Senate is part of the Congress, but I'm, was, I hold people to the, to the standards that they set for themselves when it comes to such things. If you are a person who's elected official who believes that other elected officials should resign because of affairs like uh, Bob Livingston did when Bob Livingston was the first was the representative from the first congressional district of Louisiana, and he was about to become Speaker of the House. Except he got caught with it in an affair, so he resigned. Thank you, Larry Flint. Uh, and then David Vitter filled that seat. And then David Vitter apparently, you know, did his serious sins as well, but didn't follow his own advice. So there, there are people, plenty of people. Who get who are in politics? Who get accused of things? Who get away with it? Because power allows them to do so. Yeah, 
and look, bringing a boy, I'm wondering if that's why he was talking to the media. He probably thought he could advise himself well. What a dummy. There you go. Me and bringing a boy agree on something. It happens maybe once a show, maybe less. Who knows? But if he felt that he could represent himself as an attorney, he's a dummy. <laughs> there are plenty of dumb lawyers. And there's a lot of lawyers out there who have no business being lawyers. I've known a few. <laughs> Bad mistakes. I've known a few. Uh, let's see. The Me Too movement of Democrats uh, believe out. And here's the thing. With the, with the Me Too, and there are a lot of good catchphrases and slogans surrounding things, you know, believe women. And, and I'm, you know, if somebody comes forward with an accusation of sexual misconduct, sexual assault, rape, etc., um, believe all women means you listen to the people that are coming forward and you will give them the opportunity to speak and, you know, you, you don't treat them as if, oh, you're just a whore or you're just this, that, the other. You you listen to the people, you give them the opportunity to tell their story, and then some people, when telling their story, will be like, will completely ruin their own story and be like, well, that can't be true, that doesn't fit. I'm sure you know, I believe the Tucker Carlson case. You know, Tucker Carlson never met the person, and, and apparently, the per- according to Tucker Carlson, at least the person had a mental illness and made a claim that was absolutely false. And so, if if but you still you listen to the people, you get the facts, and at the end of the day, if the facts don't pan out, then you don't have to believe at that point every person that comes forward. That's the that's the the, the point of the Me Too movement, and the point of the point of the Me Too movement is that not enough people take sexual assault and rape seriously. That too many times people who are victims of sexual assault, of rape, are forced to be quiet about it because we have a system that, that does not treat them fairly, does not treat them well, that, that basically shames them for their activities, asks things like, well, what were you wearing, as if that's somehow relevant. You know, you could be standing there naked in the middle of the street. It doesn't give anybody the right to grab you, touch you, or anything without your consent. Period. And that, 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 that's the thing. You, you ask these women... Ask these victims questions that are ridiculous that make them less likely to want to come forward. So you listen to them. You you, you give them the opportunity to say what's you believe them when they say that it happened and you start taking your notes. And if then you want to change your mind because something doesn't quite add up, the evidence isn't there, or there's evidence to the contrary that says, Oh no, well, this is clearly an example like the case with, New York, there's a New York University that I'm not remembering the name of, and there was a woman who claimed that she was raped by a group of four guys. And as it turned out, Hofstra, the Hofstra case. In the Hofstra case, woman claimed she was raped by four guys. The, they listened to her. They took her story. And then a fact came out that was that was not shared by the woman in question, which was a video taken by one of the individuals who was involved in that activity. And in that video showed this woman being a very happy and willing participant, which is fine if that's what she wants to do. Liberal Dan Radio is sex positive and believes you should do anything you consent to. As long as everybody can consent, Liberal Dan Radio is cool with it. But what had happened was, her boyfriend found out that she was off 
doing something. And instead of admitting to the boyfriend that she cheated on the person, she then made up the story that she was raped. But the video evidence proved otherwise. So they did what they were supposed to do. They listened to the woman. They took all of the evidence. And once there was a piece of evidence that said, you know, this isn't true, they dropped the case. And thank goodness that one of them was filming the incident because otherwise they might have been sent up the river. There are still people calling for them being punished even after the video showed, despite the fact that she was shown to be not credible. See, uh, Bringing a boy says, words mean something. Believe all women. There's no caveat according to me, too. Words have meaning, but words can have multiple meanings based on the context in which they are given. And slogans can also, you know, imply things that are not stated. But I understand as a conservative why you believe that it has to be a fixed meaning and it can't mean anything else. It doesn't mean that that's what it means. The Me Too movement means specifically that Me Too, I was also a victim. That's what the Me Too movement does. But, and, and there are people in the Believe All movement who will shun and downplay the effects or, or the incidents of false accusations of rape to the point where they try and say that it doesn't happen. And those people are wrong. They do happen. There are examples of where it happens, but it's rare that it happens. And the end problem with it I really wasn't wanting to get into a whole thing about sexual assault and all this, but here we go. The, here's the thing about it. The people who want to make false accusations of rape a thing and make a big deal of it, put too much weight on it. They make you, they want to make you believe that it happens much more than it happens, that it's more, it's more uh, pervasive in today's society than, than you might believe. They, the people who are pushing for action to be done in false accusations of rape want you to do things like acquit every person accused of rape until it, you get to the point where you have no false accusations of rape. And that's ridiculous. But it is your political view because conservatisms don't often don't conservatives often don't get the idea of nuances or maybe exceptions or that, you know, like somebody might be like, why are men like this? When they're talking about something, why are men such? And somebody comes in, not all men. Well, it doesn't apply to you. They're not talking about you. It's just a general, it doesn't mean all men, but a bunch of men though. I created a Facebook group that literally says a bunch of men know because that even though it's not literally all men, but it believe. And sometimes I believe it was just believe women. Not, let's see. Here's the thing. And, and, and here's, and he, I was going to say it, but I wanted to make sure that that I was right about what you were saying and about what happened. It's not believe all women. It isn't believe all women. 
the movement was to believe women. Believe all women is a straw man from conservatives. It's believe women, not believe all women. So do you not, maybe you don't see a difference between the two, but the slogan was believe women. I believe women is an American political slogan arising out of the Me Too movement. It was refers to the perceived necessity of accepting women's allegations of sexual harassment or assault at face value. Um, the phrase means don't assume women as a gender are deceptive or vindictive and recognize that false allegations are less common than real ones. That's a quote by uh, Sadie Doyle writing for Elle. Um, phrase grew in popularity because of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, but again, believe women. Believe women. The slogan has been criticized by assuming a presumption of guilt. Um, do, 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 do. It is often recast as believe all women um, and is used as a deeply problematic and clumsy imperative that enfeebled far more important argument that we should encourage them to speak more and listen once they are to them more seriously when they talk. But believe women is basically just saying Listen to women when they come forward and talk about. It. And in reality, it, it, it maybe even shouldn't be believe women. It should just be believe believe people, because there are plenty of people who don't want to come forward who are men, uh, or who are <clears throat> non-binary but appearing. You know, people assume that they are men. You know, despite the fact that they might say that they are non-binary. The point is, is that you know it's just as hard for a man who was abused or sexually assaulted or raped to come forward and admit it because of toxic masculinity and rape culture that deals with those sort of things. But again, it's believe women, not believe all women. So, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then what happens is that you, you, you believe women by listening to them. You believe women by allowing them the chance to come forward. And again, if they then prove themselves, to be unreliable, then you stop believing them. I'll even throw in my example of how my situation was handled correctly. And I've talked about this on this podcast before. I've talked about this publicly before, so it's not a big surprise. And when I was in high school, I was falsely accused of sexual assault. It happened. It sucked. Let me tell you, it affects me to this day. I'm 44. Yeah, 44 still. Uh, it happened when I was uh, 17. So 27 years ago it happened. It still affects me. Not as much. I've, 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 once I realized some of the harm that was being done, I was able to handle it. Like I couldn't handle any, anybody saying anything false about me. Got me to be immediately defensive of it. And I didn't understand why. Like I'd be on an online forum. And people would say lies about me. And I would just be like pounding away at the keyboard. Like, this is, I would, I would have to prove myself right. And there was one particular forum where that would happen. And then the people running the forum would delete it. And I'm like, I'd be very frustrated. And I would have, and the reason why is because of this circumstance. So what happened in my circumstance? They believed her. She came forward with a claim that I did something wrong. The police listened to her until she got to the point of the police report where she, where she said that she returned where she would have had to have then said, because the police report actually stopped mid-sentence. And the police report 
stops right before she would have said, and then I went back to see him the next day. The next day after I supposedly sexually assaulted her. She went back to see me alone. At which point, they decided to not press charges because clearly it didn't happen. But again, they did what they were supposed to do. The police officers in that case listened to her story, took it seriously. Now, frankly, I wish they would have just not informed me. I would have wished I wish they would have t- would have taken the police report first and then said, "Oh, this is full of shit. We're dropping it." Sorry for the language if anybody's listening. This is this is full of baloney. It didn't happen, so let's not even bother this poor kid. But they did, and the sheer terror of the next few days have in, infected my life for a while. And Um, but again, and, and as soon as the relief over me, as soon as the relief washed over me that I was, uh, not going to have to deal with these charges or with the charge because they were false. The first thing I thought of, and I was 17 years old when I thought of this, the first thing I thought of was this, I am now going to have to make conscious effort that when I see other people make accusations, that I'm going to have to not allow myself and what happened to me to affect my views on those other cases. That I'm, that I'm going to have to basically under, understand that these people have the right to come forward and tell their story without me throwing in my, whatever bias I might have about these people. or about claims because I had to deal with my situation that I, have, that I had to deal with. And that was well before Me Too and Believe Women and all that other, all those other movements. Clearly, I mean, that was started around the Kavanaugh nomination, like 2018, maybe a little earlier when, when, when people were, were talking about that as well. I think it was 2018 or when, when Kavanaugh was up for his nomination. Mine took place in 94, maybe 93. I think it was 93. It was either 93 or 94. I think it was 93. But anyway, regardless of the fact, you know, I, I attribute that to good parenting. I attribute that to being raised right and being having a mother that specifically, because I mean, I have two good parents, but my mother was the one that typically instructed me on issues of consent. Um, I'm, I'm making sure that as a father, I'm teaching my boys uh, about consent early on, not about just consent to sex, but about consent to everything. Um, you know, I tell them if they don't want to hug each other, if one of them wants a hug from the other, that they, they're free to not want the hug, that they don't have to hug any family members that they don't want to hug um, because it's their right to not be touched if they don't want to be touched. And you know, that, that they also then also have to respect the fact that if the other one doesn't want to be touched or hugged or whatever, that they don't lay a hand on them. And eventually I'll roll those lessons into the whole, you know, yes means yes. Well, my mom, my mom taught me no means no. Um, but that was the prevailing thing at the time was that if somebody says no, you listen to them and you stop. But I'm going to teach my boys the, the yes means yes, which means 
unless you get a yes, consider it a no. Because there are people who clearly can't say yes. Either maybe if they're knocked out, they can't say yes. And that's, oh, I should have talked about that today too. Maybe we'll roll on and talk more about that at the end of this hour. <sighs> Do I want to go on for a third hour and talk about that too? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But let's go ahead. Let's take another commercial break. I'll get a sip of water. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue because there was something else I did want to talk about today. And maybe we'll make it a three-hour show. Who knows? Um, let's go ahead. We'll take the commercial break. We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation now that we've moved on uh, to sexual assault, rape, societal issues, and stuff like that. Uh, take your calls as well, 914-803-4131, 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dane Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. One progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budget Ears is geared to help you make the best decision for you. 
So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan dot com. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat, and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. Again, this is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. So I was talking about um, how my mom, you know, used to teach me no means no, but that I'm uh, going to teach my boys yes means yes when as, as the better standard because yes means yes. It requires the person or all persons involved uh, to get an affirmative yes instead of to continue instead of continuing until they get a no, because maybe sometimes, you know, they can't say no, or maybe sometimes they're too drunk to be able to give a valid consent, valid consenting yes. So, and it reminded me of something I wanted to talk about today, which I'd forgotten about because of all the garbage going on. Um, according to NBC News, drunk rape victim was not, quote, mentally incapacitated, Minnesota Supreme Court rules. Uh, again, NBC News, case of sexual assault where the victim is intoxicated does not warrant a more serious charge if the alcohol or drugs were taken voluntarily. A uh, person who is sexually assaulted while intoxicated does not fit the designation for a more serious charge if he or she consumed alcohol voluntarily or drugs. Uh, Francis Momulu Khalil Minnesota man was convicted of third-degree criminal sexual misconduct because the victim was drunk and considered by the jury to be mentally incapacitated. Uh, the woman met Khalil after she was refused entry to a bar because she was too intoxicated. The unanimous decision by the Supreme Court of the state of Minnesota said that the lower court's definition of mentally incapacitated state unreasonably strains and stretches the plain text of the statute because the victim was drunk before she met her attacker. attacker. To meet the definition, the alcohol must be administered to the person by the person's agreement without or by the by the other person without the person's agreement um victims who are intoxicated to the degree that they are unable to give consent are entitled to justice uh blah blah blah. so here's the here's the statement mentally incapacitated under the state of minnesota mentally incapacitated means that a person under the influence of alcohol anarchetic anesthetic or any other substance administered to the person without the person's agreement 
lacks the judgment to give a reasoned consent to sexual content or sexual penetration. How absurd is that? So because the person specifically chose to get drunk, and I meet that person later, that I'm now scot-free, I can do whatever I want, and that person says, yes, it's cool, and that person can consent, but if for, for some reason I fed the person, unbeknownst to them, if I drug their drink, if they, if they took drugs to get so zonked or whatever that they can't give consent, that somehow makes it okay. Now, here's the thing. Sub, same subject in nine of the same section. Physically helpless means that a person is asleep or not conscious, conscious or unable to withhold consent or withdraw consent because of physical condition or unable to communicate non-consent and the condition is known and reasonably should have known to the actor. So the person should have reasonably known that this individual was, was drunk uh, and therefore would have been unable to communicate consent. And so therefore the physically helpless part should have been applicable even if under the text of the law of Minnesota is claims otherwise. But clearly the text of the Minnesota law that says that in order for you to be mentally incapacitated, you then have to be, uh, had, you can't have taken the alcohol yourself is ridiculous. And hopefully the people in the state of Minnesota uh, will change that wording to mean that someone can be mentally incapacitated, regardless of whether or not they were forced to take the drug, that they could be mentally incapacitated, even if they drank it themselves. And it's absurd that they have to now go redo this. The law is horrible, needs to be fixed. But I shared this on Facebook, and it was deemed spam. I don't know why it was deemed spam, but Facebook said that it violated their policies because it was spam. Well, no, it's not. You're ridiculous. Uh, I don't know how a link to a website of laws could somehow be considered spam. But as uh, – you know who says it is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Let's see. Mark, actually, you look up. This is my contact. I do have to make a response. Bringing the boy did uh, give me a link to a video which I still need to respond to. Um, I should respond to it at least. I haven't gotten around to it. I've been rather lazy this last week, honestly. I haven't been doing much, although I am doing a at least a two-hour podcast. Um, maybe a two and a quarter. I don't know if I can make it all the way to three. But, um, but that was that was about COVID. So again, and and you, what did else you say? Forty-four. Wow, I'll cut you a break for your views. It makes sense why you think why you think when you're at fifty, you will have a change of heart. I don't know why 50 would make me have a change of my change of heart of my political beliefs. Uh, if I were to track my political beliefs uh, as you know left to, or right to rightwards or leftwards, I've been trending more leftward as I got older. I expect that when I'm 60, I'll be some sort of raving socialist at this point. Uh, so, I mean that that that's the trajectory. I I I sincerely doubt that I will that I will become more conservative in my fifties. Uh, why? Because I've looked at conservative idea and thought and have found them to be not impressive. I've, I've, you know, the, the things that conservatives believe in, like, you know, supply side economics, trickle down economics, um, the embracing of white supremacy, the, um, the, horrible logic when it comes to so-called voter ID laws and the refusal to see 
of of the the use of so-called voter ID laws to disenfranchise voters by Republican elected officials is also bad. The refusal of conservative voters and other, you know, conservative supporters to then see that these laws are not just about voter IDs and only just be blind have blinders on and say, oh, these voter IDs, it's wrong requiring a voter ID. Well, it's not the voter ID that's the issue. It's the other issues in these laws, you know. All these things that conservatives do just make me just more and more understand. You know, when I was in my 20s, I supported a national sales tax, for example. When I ran for Congress, that was one of my platforms was a national sales tax instead of the income tax. Uh, I believed in a different version than what the um, fairtax.org people support uh, because I didn't think that people um, should have to get a uh i didn't think that people should have to have a prebate uh to estimate what they might be paying on the necessities i think that you just don't tax the necessities and therefore you don't have to worry about prebates you could just not tax necessities and therefore you tax everything else and that's the way you should handle it but you know to me that was less bureaucracy in that and that's what i supported back then I now no longer support that. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's tenable. I don't think it's something that can be done. I think too many people are trying to hide their money. I think. I think too many. Too many. I think there are people who benefit from the protections that America gives, disproportionately so than like maybe regular folks like you and me who should be paying for that. Who should be paying for the benefits that they get from government? It, should, it shouldn't be seen as a oh, I have to pay my taxes. I'm not saying you have to be excited about paying your taxes or thrilled about paying your taxes, but you should understand that there's a social contract involved that that things have to be paid for, like roads and bridges. Go to another route. We'll talk about, I tweeted at, um, whatchamacallit, who is it? Uh, Secretary Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he was talking about the idea of a mileage tax on on people, you know, on cars, I guess, if you're doing transportation. Um, and, and it was brought to my attention by uh, some rideshare folks who were concerned how a mileage tax would affect them. And, and my opinion is probably if there was assessed a mileage tax, then they would probably just take it out of the individual share as Uber paid it. So Uber would make sure it got paid. Um, but they would also, they would also probably harm drivers more. Uh, potentially. But I asked, you know, Mayor Pete or Secretary Pete at this point, uh, I was like, look, you know, I have a few questions about this and that's on my Twitter account. You can see the questions there, but basically it revolves around how would you determine, how would you figure out what somebody's mileage was? I mean, are you going to require them to take snapshots of their vehicle on the first day of the year and the last day of the year? Is that how many miles that you're doing? Or are you only taxing federal highways and not state highways? If so, how do you determine what your what your uh how do you determine the uh whatchamacallit the amount of mileage spent on one and not the other and also i brought up the fact that you know maybe a mileage tax might be something that is harmful to lower income folks that it is regressive that it's something that you know maybe might hurt poorer people more so if that's the case then why are we going to implement such a thing of course i one of the first responses I had to it was a conservative who came over and was like, yeah, it's horrible. 
blah, blah, blah. And I was like, channeling my inner uh, Jules uh, from Pulp Fiction. I didn't ask you a goddamn thing. Um, Let's see. White supremacy. We'll go back to the thing in a second. But yeah, so, but ah, I have questions. I have questions about those those things, and I have questions about the mileage tax, and I don't know how it would pass or how it would be enforceable. Um, but anyway, let's see. Right, bringing boy, white supremacy is so overused. I don't know if it's used. I don't know if it's overused. I mean, I, I bring up white supremacy when I see it, and there are things that in there are things that support white supremacy that maybe you don't think are that qualify for white supremacy. Um, you know, for example, the laws that are specifically targeting black voters to try and keep black people from voting that supports white supremacy. Well, even though the people don't claim to be white supremacists or claim to be Nazis or whatever, it's still people who are trying to keep white people in power, <clears throat> give white people disproportionate power. We have a system of white supremacy in this country. Does that mean that everybody in this country is a white supremacist? No. But if you don't fight the white supremacy, then you're enabling white supremacy. And that's the thing. Louisiana. You know, Louisiana only has one black congressperson. Uh, Louisiana, let's see, let's, let's look up Louisiana racial demographics. Louisiana is 33% black. 62% 62% white, and then the rest is pretty much other. So in a state that is 33% black and 62% white, you would think that you would have, and if 90% of black people plus tend to be Democrats, you know, you, A, you would think that you would have two black, black Congress people, not one, you would think that if the state is like 40-something percent Democrat, that you might have at least two, if not three, of the six Democratic congressmen. But the way that the lines are drawn is they force all of the black people into one district or a vast majority of the black people into one district, thus giving them one-sixth of the say in Congress from Louisiana, but they represent one third. So they have half the say than they should in Congress. If Congress is truly supposed to be representative of the people, the House of Representatives are truly supposed to be representative. Most of the conservatives in Congress and Senate today are neoconservatives. The difference between a conservative and a neoconservative is not enough for me. They're both conservatives. Like, like, would you bringing a boy? Let me let me ask you this question as as I talk about something else. If somebody is like, you know, are, are you, do you make differentiations between progressives and liberals? Like, do you see that there is a difference between the two? Uh, if you don't see that there is a difference between the two, how then can you expect me to see a difference between a difference between conservatives and neoconservatives? Everyday people who call themselves conservatives not the same. Yeah, no, there are there are people who are conservatives who are the old-fashioned, true limited government type conservatives. There are conservatives who do get... There was a Libertarian post today for trans, International Trans Awareness Day. Um, 
so that you have liberal and progressive Democrats, but you make a di- do you differentiate between the two? Do you differentiate between liberal Democrats and progressive Democrats? Is there enough of a difference between liberal Democrats and progressive Democrats to say, yeah, you know, to say that there is to, 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 for you to be able to make that differentiation when discussing it, or are, are we all just on the left? No, I, yes, libertarian is different than liberal, sure. But is liberal and progressive different enough? Is it different enough for you to make a difference? Like if you if you said somebody you're a liberal and they said no I'm not I'm progressive or I'm a leftist would that be enough of a would you would you would you be like okay there's a difference between the two okay you say yes okay fine so I guess your your argument is at least consistent but and in, in reality to me like I call myself liberal Dan but I do also call myself a progressive I do support policies that are that are in line with, with at least some aspect of progressivism. I think there's a lot of overlap covering, you know, if somebody is a progressive, they're going to share, they might not share all of the set of policies, but with liberals or even leftists, but there's going to be uh, a combination of things that they do agree on, you know, and that's the thing is that the neocons and the, and the conservatives, the conservatives in Congress, and the neocons, are similar enough in the problematic ways. And pretty much all of them do things that uphold white supremacy. Again, I'm not saying that all of them are white supremacists, though there are a lot who are, uh, but they, they, they do things and support policies that <clears throat> maintain the status quo. They want to conserve the status quo. They literally try to conserve what the system that we have in place instead of trying to change it to be better. I, I know plenty of conservatives well. And then, because uh, every time I bring up, I know conservatives so well that I can predict their arguments that they make. I can't tell you. I mean, I could show you. If you go to my Facebook page you'll, and you look for it, you'll see the many examples. When I've made an argument, I said, when we're talking about like the so-called voter ID laws, and I say, the problem with the so-called voter ID laws is not the requirement to have the ID, but is the other non-ID provisions in the bill, in these bills that are problematic. And then I go on to say that despite me saying that my problem with the voter ID laws is the non-ID provisions in the bill, that some conservative, and even predicted the specific conservatives in certain chats that have done, that, some, that you're going to have at least one conservative come back and respond to me. And they're going to say, what's wrong with requiring an ID? Because that's how predictable they are. I, I could have full-on conversations with a conservative and not have a conservative in the room because I know conservatism enough to understand the arguments that they're going to make. What is, what is the – where is my called my shot? Where is it? Let me find the called my shot. Uh, called my shot. Going, going on. Let's there are people today who will today still bring up, I saw the other, the other day, you know, Barack Obama and his 57 state comments, you know, and obviously it was just a misspeaking. Uh, nobody who, who's reasonable believes that Barack Obama believes there is a, believes that there were 57 states when he said that, and nobody with a reasonable mind doesn't believe that Donald Trump really meant 17, that he, that he really meant 17. Well, and, and I appreciate you bringing this to my attention because I, I didn't see where he said that. Uh, was that in a uh, speech recently, or when did he say that Obamacare was in place for 17 years? 
It was it was it was in a press conference of some sort. It was there was there's audio and video of him of him saying that, and you know okay. people of, of course jumped on it because oh uh, you know he he's he's dumb he's dumb and you know I, I said look right. he, oh, wait, wait, he obviously for, met seven for some reason President yeah. Trump basically says that for the past well seven... let, let me play it again from the beginning this is calling my shot part one let's see calling my shot part one President Trump basically says that for the past seventeen years that we've been under the thumb of Obamacare. 17 years, folks. That would make it 2001. Since before 9-11, we've been dealing with Obamacare. Have we now, President Trump? Now, look, people misspeak all the time. I do it. I just want to know, because of this whole 17 years comment, can we finally let go of Obama's statement about 57 states? He didn't even say 57 states. He said 50, and then it was a very long pause, as if he was he asked, how many states have you been to? And he was like, 50. And he probably meant to say 47 states, but it just came out 57 states. And were, oh, Obama thinks we have 57 states. <laughs> well, can we now just shut up about it? Because here we have your idol, Donald Trump, saying, you know, Obamacare has been here 17 years. Well, maybe it feels like 17 years. <laughs> I guarantee. Look, I'm going to call into a radio show that's local, the one I often call into, and I'm going to ask them this question about whether or not about 17 years and can we get rid of this. And, and I, I will just guarantee, I'll, I'm not willing to bet any money on it, but I'm certain that someone, maybe even the host will say this, well, it sure feels like 17 years. He might not. He might. The host might not add the little rednecky laugh. But yeah, I'm anticipating that's going to be the response. It sure felt like it. All right. So there again. That was on a Wednesday. I believe that show was on a Wednesday where I called my shot, part one. Where I called my shot. I said I will call into a show. I will mention that can we get over the whole Obama said 57 states because it was just a simple misspeaking uh, that Obama really doesn't believe that there are 57 states and Donald Trump really doesn't believe that we've had Obamacare for 17 years. Uh, so let's just go ahead with that. And then I called my shot. And then the next saying that, the, that somebody, maybe even the host would say that it feels like 17 years. I called the show. The next there are people day, today who will today still bring up. I saw the other the other day, you know, Barack year. Obama and his 57 states comments, you know, when obviously it was just a misspeaking. Uh, nobody who, who's reasonable believes reason that up, Barack right, Obama boy, believes there is believes that there were 57 states when he said that. Like and nobody with a reasonable mind day. doesn't believe that Donald Trump really meant 17, that he that he. Really mad seven well, and, and I appreciate you bringing this to my attention because I, I didn't see where he said that. Uh, was that in a uh, speech recently, or when did he say that Obamacare was in place for 17 years? It was. It was. It was in a press conference of some sort. It was. There was. There was audio and video of him of him saying that, and you know, okay. people of, of course jumped on it because oh, uh, you know, he, he's he's dumb. He's dumb. And you know, I, I said, look, right. he, he obviously met seven, and obviously misspoke. Just said. President Obama obviously misspoke, and there's no reason to, yeah. you know, make. Well, I, I you know, will. I will agree with you in this. To discuss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I will agree with you in saying that Barack Obama is not dumb. I think Barack Obama is a smart guy. I just disagree with him on his positions. And I also would say this, and uh, Liberal Dan, I appreciate the call, and thank you. Great to hear from you. I would say this. Donald Trump's not dumb, and uh, I think both of them are smart. Uh, I just agree with Donald Trump's positions more than I agree with Barack Obama's positions. I don't think anybody can be elected president uh, being dumb. I don't think idiots get themselves their party nominations and then get elected to the White House. And in the case of Donald Trump, uh, you don't build a you know, multi-billion dollar business being an idiot. You don't succeed in uh, the world of television with a reality show for years being an idiot. You don't become a first-time candidate and beat 16 entrenched opponents and then beat a, a candidate that's got much more money and all the media behind her if, if you're an idiot. I mean, you're pretty darn smart if you ask me. So, yeah, I guess he misspoke. I guess he meant to say seven as opposed to 17. And uh, it probably feels like 17 years of Obamacare. Maybe it feels like 70 years of Obamacare. But no, it's uh, seven. All right. um, Thank you, Liberal Dan. Quick time out. Let's get a news update. Oh, there you go. And I was listening. He hung up, and I was like, and I was waiting for it. And I was was like, come on, say it. Come on, say it. And then he said it. And I was like, yeah, I remember the road that I was on when this happened. I remember the exact road that I was on. I remember the buildings that were around me. That was such ingrained in my mind. So, again, you, you don't believe, bringing Boyd, that I know conservatives. I do. And I do. <laughs> Clearly I do. Because I can predict the arguments that the conservatives are going to make. Good. I brought up my problems. You're doing it in the chat. You are doing it in the chat. I bring up the non-ID provisions for the voter ID laws. And you're still bringing up. You're like, don't you need an ID to get a COVID test or vaccination? Here are 24 things needed in that photo ID to get alcohol. <clears throat> Why are you bringing those up? I know conservatives. I, can, I literally just said to you that I can bring up my problems with the so-called voter ID laws, that they're not with the ID requirements, but they're with the non-ID provisions in the laws. And that despite my saying this, that you will that, that that some conservatives will then come in afterwards and say, "Well, what's wrong with requiring an ID?" And you all start talking about the IDs again. It's like you're trained almost. You're trained to be able to to, to, to automatically have the what's wrong with an ID. I don't know how you got this training. I don't know how they convinced every single one of you to do that. But you just did exactly what I told you that you would do. You did exactly what conservatives do. I bring up the so-called voter ID laws. I say my issue with the so-called voter ID laws are the non-ID requirements. The things like, you know, changing where you can, where you can vote or district size or, or stuff like that. And making it so that the state of Georgia where you can't give water to people in line to vote. Those things are meant to suppress the vote. Those are the issues that I have with these laws. Not the requirement to have an ID, but the non-ID provisions. And every single time, y'all come back with, well, don't you need an ID to get something, this, that, the other? Don't you need that? I'm sitting here, I'm... I should not be surprised anymore. I should no longer 
have any shock whatsoever when a conservative does this. But I literally just told you right in your ears that my problem with the ID laws are the non-ID provisions, those provisions having nothing to do with voter ID. And you did it. So how is it voter suppression to not hand out, to, to prohibit not, it's not even not handing out water. It's prohibiting other people from handing out water. Here's the problem. It's not the one thing. It's the combination of the things. So you create these precincts and you say, okay, well, these people in these neighborhoods are going to vote here. And these people in these neighborhoods are going to go vote here. And when you do that, you do it in such a way that it makes like the, the black areas have much longer lines. Okay, so, so so you go to a white neighborhood, there's no line. You go to a black neighborhood, there's a stupid long line, which means you haven't created enough precincts in those black areas to be able to handle the demand to vote in those black areas, because there shouldn't be, there should be the same size lines in all areas, right? So now, you've created a long line to vote. Georgia's the South, it can be hot in, well into December in the South. Waiting in line for a long time, you know, you want to stay hydrated. You want, you want to be able to make sure that people could be comfortable enough so that they can vote. So now, let's say your line is, you're supposed to, the law of the Georgia text, law, the text of the Georgia law with the water prohibition says you can't hand out water within 150 meters of a polling precinct, or you can't be within 25 feet of somebody in line to vote. So if the line of vote expands outside the 150 meter or foot or whatever it is, prohibition, 150 feet outside the voter precinct or the, the polling place, well, let's, say the, let's say the line is a mile down the road, whatever the line might be. So now you have this bubble that's 25 feet on each side and a mile long where nobody can be handing out water. How many people stay in line are going to be able to stay in line without the ability of being able to get a drink? They know that they can't get a drink from somebody. They know that they can't be given water. They know they can't be given a snack or something. And don't come at me with the idea that it's, you know, oh, well, they can just do, this is just trying to buy votes. When you're in line to vote, you already know who you're voting for. So you're not, you're not going to be buying somebody's vote by giving them a water bottle. I'm not going to be like thirsty and line the vote and be like, oh, you support a Republican. So I'm going to change my mind and vote for a Republican because it's a Republican that gave me a bottle of water. I'm voting for who I'm going to vote for regardless. So let's see. That is not true, Bringing Boy. Bringing Boy says, no, it does not prevent other people from handing out water. You just can't pass out water and say vote for this person. That is incorrect. You are in, you, you need to read the law. Let me go find the uh, Georgia law water voting text. I already have it in my history because I've searched it. Uh, boom. Hopefully, for the fact, we'll have a link to the text that I would think it does. Provisions of SB 
No person shall solicit votes in any manner by any means or method, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material, nor shall any person give offer to give or participate in the giving of money, gifts, including but not limited to food and drink to an elector, nor shall any person solicit signatures for any petition, nor shall any person other than an elected official discharging the duties established to set up any tables or booths on the day in which the ballots are being cast within 100 feet of the outer edge of any building where a polling place is established within any polling place or within 25 feet of any voter standing in line to vote at any polling place. So, logically speaking, so it's not no person shall solicit votes and give them drink. Or no, it doesn't say no person shall solicit votes by giving them drink. It says it lists all of the things that they can't do. It's an enumerated list of things that cannot be done, which includes soliciting votes in any manner, by any means or method, or distributing or displaying campaign material, or give money, food, or gifts, including but limited limited to food or drinks to an elector. So you are absolutely wrong on your interpretation of the law. So that is, I've just given you a, you said, what page is that on? I just gave you a link to the law. Let's see where we can let's just search water on that page. We can find the page number it's on water. Page 71. Looks like it's page 71. It can allow for the making of self-service water from an unintended receptacle to an elector waiting in line to vote. That does not mean, but but if the line goes way out, so like if you're getting in the door of the thing, you know, you could probably set up a self-service kiosk to get water, which is, you know, at, at the time, probably not the safest because of the pandemic. Um, but there's, there should be nothing wrong with handing somebody a bottle of water in line. I, I should not, it should not make me a criminal to be to walk up to somebody who's standing in line and be like, you know what? You look thirsty. Let me give you a bottle of water. Let me give you a bottle of water so you don't get dehydrated. Stay hydrated, my friend. That should not be a, against the law. And it is, according to this law, that was signed into law by Governor Kemp, who then had a legislator arrested for knocking on a door, and she was arrested with a felony. How was that a felony, what she did? They're trying to make this all super secret thing, a bunch of him and a bunch of other old white men, in front of a picture of a plantation, signing this law that is specifically meant to target black voters because state of Georgia, let's see, average, if I can find a survey, wait, voting times, wait by race. Let's bring up Georgia specifically. Blah, 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 blah. Why, according to NPR, why do non-white Georgia voters have to wait in line for hours? Answer, too few polling places. 
Um, an Atlanta suburb with 22,400 residents, 88% of them black. Uh, the person considered not casting a ballot at all, but decided to stay. Uh, by the time she got inside, more than five hours later, the polls, polls had officially closed and electronic scanners were shut down. Poll workers told her she'd have to cast a provisional ballot, but they promised her vote would be counted. Um, blah, blah, blah. By the last time the voters finally got inside to the Welcome Center to cast a ballot, it was the next day. Blah, 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 blah. Shelby versus Holder basically nuked the states, nuked the federal government's ability to stop states from doing this, especially states that needed free clearance. Um, polling locations have been cut statewide by 10% in the state of Georgia. Uh, the metro Atlanta has been partic- hit particularly hard. The nine counties, Fulton, Gwinnett, Forsyth, DeKalb, Cobb, Hall, Cherokee, Henry, and Clayton have half the active state's voters, but only 38% of the polling locations. But it's not bl- it's a Arresting who? So uh, the arrest, a black legislator in the state of Georgia was arrested. Did you, how did you not hear this story? Um, let's, let's bring this one up. So, Georgia legislators were shaken after being dragged out of the Capitol. Democratic State Representative Park Cannon, a black woman, is facing charges after refusing to stop knocking on Georgia Governor Kemp's office. Knocking on a door of an elected official, if you're an elected official, should not be considered a felony. I mean, come on. I know. Black and white. There may be some white voters that are that are in those lines in those black counties. But again, as I said, the these black, mostly black counties that have, was it 50% of the population? Half the state's active voters are in those counties, but only 38% of the polling places are in those counties, which means that you have a, as a result, the average number of voters packed in each polling location in those counties grew by 40% from about 2,600 to 3,600 per polling place as of October 9th. Analysis shows an addition, last minute push that opened more than 90 polling places um, it left people uncertain as to where they should go. So, in Forsyth County, uh, in 2012, they had 4,000 uh, voters in the polling place. It doubled to 8,000. Cherokee County, 3,000 to 4,500. 3,500 in Henry to 4,600. So you have all of these cases where, where you have, if they have if they have 50% of the of the voters in that area. Shouldn't they also have 50% of the polling places? You, you, they are spreading out the polling places and making them more available in white neighborhoods, but in mostly black counties, they are making them wait in longer lines. Longer lines means people may be less likely to stand in line to vote. And I just, I just don't know. This is the problem. This is what I don't understand about conservatism. Why y'all can't see it? Is it that you, you don't want to see it? Is it because it, it, you, it would force you to have to change your worldview? You've been, have you been just told so many times that there's nothing wrong with requiring a voter ID, so therefore, if you're trying to pass a voter ID law, that, it's, that the law must be okay? And, and, and to not consider that these laws might have other things? Or, or what, what is it that makes you just not want to see the clear, with clarity, what's going on? I mean... I know you saw one of my videos 
Did you watch all four of the videos, bringing a boy, all four videos of the GOP coup? Did you watch all four of them? Did you see the numbers that I presented in those areas? Did you see, for example, the North Carolina law, why the North Carolina voting ID law was stricken from the record? It specifically was because when the legislators in North Carolina were looking to pass the law, and included things that didn't have anything to do with a voter ID, like, you know, the methods in which people cast votes, that these legislators did a study, and they studied by race how these people vote, and at the end of the day, only canceled those way methods of voting that black people were likely to take part in. So they specifically targeted the way that black voters like to vote and eliminated them. The, the, the judge basically said that the Law targeted black voters with surgical precision. They must have been, well, they must have been too bad for those people to get Joe Biden. What? They must have been too bad for those people to get Joe Biden to get elected. I don't know what that, (laughs) the lines must not have been too bad. It's not that the lines weren't too bad. It's that Donald Trump was so bad that they stood in line. But here's the thing. In the November election, it was still legal for people to pass out water in these lines. So the Georgia Republicans said, oh, we lost this election. And and we lost this election. We lost the Senate races. We lost both Senate seats. And we lost the electors from Georgia in the presidential election. They went to Joe Biden when they hadn't gone for a Democrat in a long while. So the, the, the response by Republicans was not... Well, let's, let's become better politicians. We're not li- obviously, we're not listening to the people enough. So let's, let's look at where we're failing to meet the needs of the people and move our opinions to, to change it in such a way to make people like us more. That's not their answer. The answer is, let's make it harder for the, for the people who don't like us to vote. Again, the Republicans are a minority power, a minority party trying to retain power, or now at this point, regain power federally. They still have lots of power statewide because there's still been a lot of gerrymandering that has been unchecked that took place after the 2010 Red Map project. But that's the, the, the Republicans are like, they even said specifically, that was what Republicans specifically said, it's not... Not everybody should. It's not about the quantity of voters. It's about the quality of voters. Republicans don't care if in their trying to prevent people who are voting illegitimately, they also prevent legitimate voters. But that's the argument that their argument is that they're trying to prevent illegitimate voters. But that's not their real goal. They publicly state, we want to stop people who shouldn't be voting from voting. But their goal is to stop people who should be voting from voting. Their, their goal is to keep black voters from voting. And has, I, I mean, the four videos should clearly show you that. The actions in Georgia should clearly – they lost because of black voters, especially black women. So the response is not to make better policy, but the response is to make it harder to vote. I don't understand why, why conservatives – refuse to see this except for they like not having black voters voting because they understand that the policy that they don't want to change their it's much easier for them to change how to vote 
and make it harder to vote than for them to change their policies. They don't want to have to change their policies. They want to keep pushing for their old antiquated values and not get with the times and instead just want to continue on and and just follow the age-old tradition of conservatism of trying to make it harder for people to vote who are not white. It's not racist. It's true. Sorry for the little It's true. Like, I feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch and the Time to Change video with a little voice crack, although I'm well past puberty at this point. Um, it was good water. It was smart water. <laughs> well, maybe it was. Maybe it was smart water. Maybe it helped make them smart, and that's why they voted against Donald Trump and uh, Loeffler and what's the Purdue. They rather have no. That's absolutely not true. They would. They want to. They want to prevent black people from voting. When, when they want to, they want to keep turnout low to begin with. They like low turnout elections. That's why probably in a lot of these states that are conservatives, you, you see these elections taking place outside of federal elections because the the when these elections take place outside of federal elections, like for the state houses or whatever, they uh they will uh. The turnout tends to be lower. And when, as, as turnout gets lower, it's better for conservatives. The more people that vote, the more legitimate voters that vote, the worse it is for conservatives. Mom always says, don't play ball in the house. What does that even mean in regards to what we're talking about? I really don't understand that you don't, don't believe that you think that Republicans would rather have black people voting than Irish people. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what evidence you're basing that off on, Are you, unless you're just trying to be funny and pick on the Irish. I mean, I do have part Irish in me, so I might have to take offense to that lad. I don't think I could, I could understand that. But, you know, I think it's ridiculous to think that the Republicans want to stop the Irish from voting and not the black people. Anyway. Um, it's it's all there. Like they waited for the conservative activist court to overturn to overturn uh, the Voting Rights Act in Shelby. And again, the argument that was made in the Voting Rights Act, as I'd said in my video, uh, was ridiculous. That because we haven't seen these states do bad things in a while, that that means that they don't need the laws anymore to prevent them from doing the bad things. Again, it's similar to my argument of oh. Well, the, the Mississippi River hasn't flooded New Orleans recently, so therefore we don't need the levees, so tear them down. If it's the, the, law is per, the law prevented those things from, com, from coming into place, the law prevented the states from doing the bad things. And as soon as Shelby knocked down uh, our part four of the Voting Rights Act, these states then were like, woohoo, open territory, we can now start making these laws and force them to sue after the fact. And that's what they did. They immediately started the the Texas law that came that was passed before but could not come into place because of the Voting Rights Act, because of preclearance. Then you had other states, like the North Carolina law, like this Georgia law. The Georgia law wouldn't have been allowed to have been passed because it would have needed preclearance before it would have been able to be passed because of the history that, that Georgia and other states have had when it comes to disenfranchising black voters. I didn't say the majority of the voters in Georgia are black. I said that 50% of the voters were in those counties. Those counties happen to be majority black. So maybe it's like 40-something. Let's see. 
voter demographics Georgia by race. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, by race and gender. Oh, it's a spreadsheet. I don't want a spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't want to have to open it up. Um, here we go. Let's go to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. They should have it all nicely visualized. So, black voters um, in 2013, this article was. You had 1.4 million black voters, 2.9 million white voters. So that's about 30, 40%. But I mean, you do have Democrats in the, you have white voters in there too. But the thing is, is that they basically have determined that if you keep black voters from voting, they win. And again, this is 2013, which means it doesn't have anything to do with like 2020. 2020 numbers might be quite larger simply because of the fact that they might have registered to come out and vote and actually actively voted. Um, Between 2016 and 2020, um, 25% total of the total increase of voters, it was 25% of voters who who came out um, and increased the voting. So more and more black voters. Let's see. Georgia registers voters. Uh, 2020, 53% white, 30% black, 9% unknown, 4% Latino, 3% Asian, 2% other, 0.5 Native American. So 53% of the voters in Georgia are white. And some of those people, of those white voters are going to be Democrats, and most of them are probably going to be Republicans. Uh, but a big chunk of the black voters, like 90-something percent of the black voters or more, are going to be voting for Democrats. So if you can target those voters and keep them suppressed, you make it much easier for white voters to uh for white for for the for the republicans and conservatives to win that's the thing mom references the brady bunch quote okay <laughs> good play i i missed it is that the one where where uh where she got hit in the nose with the football um i said that the majority of, i didn't say the majority of the voters in georgia were black i didn't say that i said that 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 50% of the voters in the state were in the counties. Those counties happen to be largely black. That doesn't mean that a majority of the voters are in the state are black. That's the thing. But even if they were, like, I mean, you have systems, let, let's go to, if we looked at South Africa back in the day when you had apartheid, literally you had a white minority ruling over a black, ruling over a country with a black majority. They managed to keep power because when you have power, you can use that power to retain power. I'm not saying it's as, it's as big of a difference as, as what happened in South, Af- South Africa, but the thing is, is that the, the, there's still state is made up in such a way, and then lines are drawn in such a way, especially at the legislative level, that you can have people win statewide, but that if you draw the lines well enough, that you still get to have the control of the legislature because the laws lines are drawn poorly, just like what they did in Pennsylvania, just like what they did in Ohio, if you watch the four videos. So, anyway, there's tons of information out there. I think I've done my job to provide a lot of the information, not just on this episode of the podcast, 
<laughs> but on but on my videos, on my four GOP coup videos, I'm probably going to, if I can get around to just finding the energy to make a fifth one, I will make a fifth one. Um, however, I uh, I don't know when that will be. Uh, hopefully it will be before the weekend because uh, I have new and fun, exciting stuff to just start doing next week uh, that is not podcast related. But you know, I think I've done a pretty decent job in showing the numbers that are out there, in showing many examples of how the Republican Party is trying to maintain power as a minority power, as a minority party. All you have to do is look at the numbers. Look at how, how many votes you need to get nationwide to win Congress as a Democrat, have the Democrats control the Congress, as opposed to how many votes you need to win to ha- and have the Republicans retain control of Congress. You could, the Republicans overall, the House of Representatives is supposed to be the House that's the people's house. You would think that if you get a majority of the votes nationwide for Congress, that you would then get the majority of the seats. That's not the case. There was one example in the video, I think it's the second video, but it might be the first, where you have, where I show you that Republicans maintained a 30-vote lead in the House while having won a million less votes nationwide for the House and the Democratic Party. That's, that's absurd. That shows you that something is wrong. I do have... Well, Dan, you and I worked hard tonight. You have passion. I do have passion. I, 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 I want things to be done the right way. I, I want people... Sh- Everybody's vote should be equal. My vote and your vote. I don't want Democrats gerrymandering your vote to be less powerful any more than I want Republicans gerrymandering Democrats' votes to be less powerful. I want every single person who votes to be a legitimate voter, but I don't want actions taking place that would make it so that people who can vote can't. I think if, if there are People should be working on ways to make sure, like government should be making ways to to jump through hoops. The government should be jumping through hoops to help people vote who are legally able to do so. Government should not be taking steps to make it harder for legitimate voters to cast a ballot. And that's what you should really ask yourself. At the end of the day, we can agree that people who should not be voting, shouldn't be able to cast a ballot. But why then all the other things? Why reduce available voting times? But how does that help with voter fraud? If you, if you make it less days to vote, it, it doesn't make sense to stop, to reduce number of day, days of voting. It doesn't make sense to to, to make it in such a way that, you know, you're making it harder for legitimate voters to cast a legitimate ballot. And when they do that, when they make it harder, when they change those rules, you have to ask why. How does it benefit the system to make it harder to vote? How does it benefit the system? How does it benefit the election process overall? How does it make it more secure by making sure that by, by enacting policies that make it so less people are able to cast a ballot. When Kemp 
was Secretary of State in 2018, and he held registered voters, people voter registrations in the state. He did so in a way that made it so that you know tens of thousands of people who registered to vote had their registrations held. Why? Most, a lot of them were black. A lot of them were minorities. Why? He claimed because it was a, quote, exact match. Really the case? Did he make an effort to try and have it, that match be fixed? No. He wanted it, he wanted it that way because it took away the less, took away the amount of voters who could potentially vote for his opponent, Stacey Abrams. And by doing so, he was able to basically steal an election. Because in, that, in my opinion, the 2018 Georgia governor's election was stolen. Georgia should have already been a blue state. And what the Republicans have just done with the leg- because they still control the legislature and they still control the governorship is they've made it so that it's harder for Democrats to take control of state government. They want to make sure that the Republicans keep control of the federal government and that the Republicans can overturn locally elected state election boards when they make decisions that they don't like to see. And that's the scariest thing. And maybe we'll have to go that into that another day because we literally have 50, 65 seconds left in the show. So I do want to thank everybody for whoever listened, happened to be listening, if you're listening afterwards. Thank you for listening to this episode, a three-hour episode of Liberal Dan Radio talk from the left that's right um we'll be back next week uh for our first show of april uh to talk about more politics more issues maybe we'll continue the discussion on voting uh, maybe i'll do my youtube video so make sure to subscribe to my youtube channel liberal dan radio go to liberaldan.com to find all the places that i am online and if you want to support the show um please do so with patreon or my insider and a shout out again to Big brother, little Brother host and most of this Yosh. Shout out to Seminox, uh, the first Little Radio Patreon. Shout out to Cesar, the second as well. And everybody else wants to support the show. Thank you very much for doing so. I'll be back in a week with more talk for us. Have fun.